0: It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports, with the Racing Boys. Brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power I Midwest Lightning Sprints.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power I Midwest Lightning Sprints. Todd Surprise running the show today. Kirk Elliott, my partner. Hanging out with me right here on Mostly Motorsports. And we got a lot to talk about today, folks. Kyle Larson picks up the win at Knoxville Nationals. He leads all 50 laps, only the second driver to ever do that. Donnie Schatz is the only other driver to ever lead all 50 laps. Kirk, what'd you think of that race?
2: It was all about Kyle Larson. That's that's what it was all about. No, uh, I didn't think anybody could lead all 50 laps, even Kyle Larson. Of course, my pick was Rico. I thought he was going to get it done, but he Rico had a tire had a go down. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he had tire issues, but uh, Larson had it all dialed in on Saturday night. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. No doubt. Um, there was – let me just say this. There was a lot of tire issues this week during the Knoxville Nationals. There was a, a, a plenty of them, and if you didn't see them, there, there was plenty of David Gravel had a tire blowout. He wrecked. Was it Justin Peck that had a tire go out, and he wrecked as well? But there was a lot of nasty wrecks because of tire pro- problems this week.
2: There was, and speaking of David Gravel, you're right. He had a tire issue on his qualifying night, but then on Saturday night, coming from 22nd starting spot, by the time they got to the break, did you see that left rear tire on Gravel's car? Yeah. That was slicked off. I'm not sure how many more laps he could have made that, but uh, he he made the big charge of the night, coming from 22nd to 2nd. So big night for David Gravel to get up as high as he did. Yeah.
1: Celsi, uh, uh Gio, he, he came from 9th. And he, he, he had a pretty good run as well. What? Yeah, Gio had a great
2: run up there. Yeah. And, he, you know, there's something about Knoxville Raceway that he's really taken a liking to. Really fits his driving style. You remember a couple of years ago he won the 360 Nationals right. up there and uh, has had good runs at Knoxville over the years. So uh, I, I'm not really surprised to see him make a run up through there. I guess if, in terms of how he started the week, Based on how he finished, I guess you'd be surprised about that, but when you look at it, Gio Celci's had some good runs at Knoxville, and for him to uh, make a run up through there, uh, really not surprising to see based on his past history up
1: there. Brad Sweet, he started 16th, he ran 6th. That was a good run for him as well. He
2: did. He had a bad finish to his qualifying night when he rolled that car down in turn number one. He was able to get into the field get locked into the a main after all of that he started sixteenth but uh he had he got upside down there uh before Saturday night
1: yep, no doubt about it so what do you think about Kyle larson uh, 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 let me just say this you know me personally, I have a little bit of a problem with Kyle Larson. Going in there and taking all the money away from all the other teams.
2: Kyle Larson has plenty of money. It's a free country. He can he can do that. But it, it, it's open to Kyle Larson to come in and run this event.
1: Well, I'm just saying. It, my opinion is, is that when somebody makes millions of dollars driving a cup car, so what? That when they come in there and they cherry pick. A race, it just kind of bothers me a little bit, to be honest with you. How much did that pay to win 150000 dollars, one hundred eighty five thousand dollars. Don't you think that would have been better off for a, a, a team that um, is a little bit more down on their luck and, and just a team that a, a team that needs to make that money a little bit more.
2: Well, I root for the little guy. I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I I really don't care who wins up there. I'm just a race fan. All I want to see is great racing. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, human nature for you and me to root for the little guy uh, to go up there and win that race and win all that money. I think it was great that Logan Schuart won the million-dollar race at Eldora. I like that. Oh,
1: I love that. that. That was great.
2: I also enjoy watching Kyle Larson race. And I think that's a big deal for him to come to Knoxville every year and run this event. I think it raises the stature of the event. I don't think it takes away from it at all. Uh, I think if you talk to a lot of these drivers, they like racing against Kyle Larson. Because I think everybody agrees he's the best American talented race car driver in the country well, there's
1: there's no doubt that he's the best race car driver in the and country for
2: him to come into Knoxville and run this event I think is a big deal
1: he sells a lot of tickets
2: sure he does mm-hmm. I think it would have sold out anyway even if Kyle Larson hadn't come the event still would have been sold out in my opinion but Still, it it raises the stature of the event and I think raises everybody else's ball game to have him run this race.
1: Tammy says she, I agree 100% with Kirk. That's what she
2: says. Well, thank you, Tammy. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. No, I'm a race fan and I enjoy watching Kyle Larson do his work out on the racetrack. Whether it's in a cup car, in a midget, we've seen at the Chili Bowl. Uh, A number of other big events to see him get in a late model and do well in that form of racing. I just like watching him work his craft out on the racetrack, no matter what kind of race car he's in. But that's just
1: me. Right. Tammy says we are witnessing greatness with Kyle Larson. What do you think?
2: No question about it. Yeah. Right Uh, now, you'd have to agree he's the most talented American race car driver on the planet.
1: On the planet. That would mean all Formula One drivers, all IndyCar drivers, everybody. You think...
2: No, I'm saying he's the best American race car driver.
1: But you said on the planet.
2: Well, that I probably shouldn't have added that word because there are other great... I mean, Verstappen's a great race car driver. Uh, but as far as the United States is producing... He's the best, right? Um,
1: Anthony Macri picks up the Beaver Tool and uh, Beaver Drill and Tool Mister Sprint Car Final. What did you think about that, Kurt?
2: Yeah, that's uh, he's driving for the injured Tyler Courtney in the uh, Clawson Marshall Number no. Seven BC car, filling in for him. Of course, we've known about the story of Anthony Macri. Uh, in July when it was announced he was going to step out of the family ride, the 39M car. right, That created a lot of buzz when we were out at Eldora, and he's been in a couple of different race cars since then, and to come to Knoxville and win that award, that would be something you would expect Brian Brown to win, but he didn't He didn't go to race at Oskaloosa. Brian Brown did not race at Oskaloosa. Right. And Anthony Macri did, and he was also... Uh, at the uh, 360 Nationals, so uh, he earned it. You know, he went out there. That's an award you have to go out and earn based on your performance in yep. the 360 Nationals, the Front Road Challenge at Noc- at Oscaloosa, and then the 410 Nationals, and Anthony McRee did the best of anybody, and that is a big-time award because it's named in honor of Jesse Hockett. The Jesse Hockett, Mr. Sprint Car Award, and we remember back in when Jesse Hockett was running up there, he'd mm. win that award because he ran everything. And that was back when they ran a non-wing race at Ocala, right. too, and yep. Jesse Hockett would win that award. So it's a big deal that Anthony Macri wins the Mr. Sprint Car Award.
1: Um, Dwayne says, "If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best." Yeah. So I, I, I don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, me personally, i just, I just like to see another team win that race.
2: Well, Kyle Larson uh, uh, doesn't uh, win every race. He doesn't win all of them. He just about wins all of them. He didn't win the million because he got the bad wreck. Right. And he didn't win the Kings Royal, although he's won that race before. Yes. And I was up at Houston Speedway for the High Bank Nationals. He didn't win that race. David Gravel did, so right. he doesn't win them all.
1: Well, I, I, I'm just saying that uh, me personally, I'd like to see a underfunded team win the Knoxville Nationals.
2: I would too. I, I mean, who who doesn't like that? Who's not going to root for the little guy to win the big event? That's always a great story, right? But in terms of Kyle Larson, should he or should he not run these races, he's got every right to participate and run these races.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm always happy to see when he shows up at a race that I am at because that raises the whole level of.
1: Well, let, let's be fair.
2: Stature of the event. The fans
1: love Kyle Larson. Yeah. And when, whenever they mention his name, the
2: crowd goes crazy. They do, yeah, and they did in that press conference where they allowed fans in the other night. Uh, what was it? Donnie Schatz made a comment, said, now, now go win the Indy 500 from the poll, and the crowd right. erupted in a lot of cheers when they heard y- that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think,
1: uh, and I'm not trying to be um, a, a, a negative person here, but just me. I, I like to see smaller teams win the nationals, and, and I love Kyle Larson. I, I think he's the great one of the greatest drivers in the world right now, and he, he's definitely got it going on, no doubt about it. So
2: I well, I, we all like to see the little guy win, right? There would that would nothing be better in my mind to see the little guy beat. The big guy, Kyle Larson, out on the racetrack. Did
1: you think David Gravel was going to run him down there at the end? No, I did not
2: think that. I, You know, David did a great job of coming from where he did to get to where he did, in my opinion. But, but no, uh, but I didn't thi- think he was going to overtake Physically, Larson.
1: Kirk, it looked like David Gravel was starting to close in the gap a yeah, little bit on him. He was. Yeah.
2: But I, I just think Larson's car was just a little bit too strong.
1: Yeah, no Uh, doubt
2: about it. You know, Donnie Schatz, we'll play some sound bites from the uh, press conference, uh, but Donnie Schatz was saying, I couldn't even see Kyle Larson. He was so far gone, you know, and he finished third. Right. So Donnie Schatz was even saying, yeah, nobody had anything for uh, young money on Saturday night.
1: No, I agree with you for sure. No doubt about it. Um and to be honest with you, I thought that uh, I thought Donnie Shots might have a shot at winning that thing there, but he he just didn't have early a chance. on. I agree with you, yeah.
2: because uh, he was he was
1: staying tight with him,
2: yeah. And here we go again, Donnie Shots, his twentieth podium finish in his last twenty three starts. Isn't that crazy? And that's his first third-place finish, if you can believe that. He's got 11 wins, eight second-place finishes, and now one third-place finish at Knoxville. And 20 podium finishes in the last 23 years. Incredible.
1: Me, personally, I was kind of pulling for Donnie shots, to be honest yeah, with
2: you. Yeah, and I never used to pull for... You know, 10 years ago, I was rooting against him. Right. He... He was like what you're talking about with Kyle Larson right now. I said anybody but Donnie Shots. But now I'm to the point that he's had such an illustrious career at Knoxville that but you he's don't... even out he's even outdone Steve Kinzer and I which I never th- think that would happen, not in terms of wins because Kinzer still has these 12 wins, but in terms of just the overall performance in a shorter amount of time, Donnie Schatz is right there. And maybe even surpassed Steve Kinzer in a lot of ways up there. And I used to root against Steve Kinzer too. I didn't want him to win either. And Donnie Schatz, anybody but Donnie Schatz, but now we're to the point in his career there. Let me ask you this. It's kind of cool to see what he's doing up there. Let me ask you this.
1: You you said that about Donnie Schatz, but why don't you say that about Kyle Larson?
2: Well, Kyle Larson go out there and win. The next four in a row up there, I'll be saying the same thing about Kyle Larson. Yeah. But uh, right now, Kyle Larson became an elite group of drivers at Knoxville. Only eight drivers now, and Kyle Larson's one of those, have won the Knoxville Nationals more than once. Only eight drivers have done that. Yeah. So that that was kind of cool to see him accomplish that.
1: Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, hey, hey listen, I'm not going to say that um, that I'm down on Kyle Larson for winning the race because he earned it. He was the fastest car, and there was no doubt he was the fastest well, car Well, you picked
2: there. him to win the other day, so right. you win another bet. I lost twice now. I picked Reitzel to win the 360 <laughs> National Brown won, and I picked Rico to win on Saturday night, and Larson won. So your guy won. Hmm. In terms of the little side bet that you and me had, so, I lost them both. So so
1: does that mean you owe me two dinners? I owe you two dinners. Ah, <laughs> I like it.
2: And I I think I owe Brian Brown a dinner, too. <laughs> Brian Brown a dinner? He said, can I come? You know, it was, uh, so when I chose uh, Aaron Reitzel, Brian was a little upset about that. And I told him that, well, I knew Scott would pick you, Brian. And Brian said, can I join the dinner? And I said, yes. So Brian's going to join us, I guess.
1: Um, Kirk, so Aaron Reitzel picked up the Hard Knocks win. Hard, hard, hard knocks win.
2: Yeah. He I- got in a bad wreck. He crashed his car on the uh, qualifying night. So he had to run the Hard Knocks night and uh, was able to win that race. Gravel finished second there. And those two guys were the two big uh losers in terms of wrecking their cars on their qualifying night, but they all I think bounce back Gravel bounced back, uh, graveled, bounced uh, back I, in I a think big way. Uh, David right Gravel was not.
1: the biggest comeback person yeah. of all the drivers. No question about it. No doubt about it
2: starting 22nd so, did 2nd.
1: When I did that interview with him, I asked him if it broke the frame on that car. He said it busted the frame, and they welded it back up, and they fixed it, and they got it out there, and they ran that car again.
2: You would have thought that they would have come out with a different race car for Saturday you can't, can't. You can't you, do you that. You can't, can't do
1: you? that. You can't do that. You can't bring out a different car.
2: That's a fact. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. So for them to be able to repair that race car, and come back and uh, start where they did for the hard knocks night. They had to start all over again, come back, and finish second in that race, put himself in the show for Saturday night, and come from 22nd to second. You know, David Gravel's normally the kind of guy that's not too happy if he don't win. But the other night, right. he had a big smile on his face after finish. He said, this is a good second. Blake, Last year was a bad second. Last year's second place finish not so good for him.
1: Blake says the Chili Bowl and the Knoxville Nationals are probably the two hardest races to win in the wor- uh, in the world to win. I don't care how much money you're worth.
2: Well, I would so, agree with that.
1: So, I I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to bag on Kyle Larson because and in fact, we're supposed to get Kyle Larson on this show here in the next month, right?
2: Well, in the next couple of weeks, uh, that would be through NASCAR. We're told uh, our good friend Matt Humphrey that he might be able to get him lined up. So we knew we weren't going to be able to get him today, but uh, here in the next couple of weeks, we'll try to get Kyle lined up here and we'll talk more about it.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Kirk, so just so you know, I'm not trying to bag on Kyle Larson too much here, but I'm just saying. Is that I'd just like to see a smaller team win a race. That's that's well, all, all do. I, that that's all I'm trying to say right now.
2: I agree with that. I'd love to see the little guy win. Always, you know, you and me, we're rooting for Blake Hahn all week, so no doubt about it. And he had, to, you know, Blake did a good job. He
1: did a good job for the week. Yeah, he he, he led seventeen laps that night. That well, he was uh,
2: qualifying out on Wednesday night, right? How about that?
1: That was great, man.
2: But he, he, he fell three cars short of locking himself into the B. The B, right. Uh, so he had to start all over again like had everybody start, else did. He
1: had to start deep in the B. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And so uh, he had to start all over again on Hard Knocks night, came back and finished, what, about the middle of the C main somewhere? Yeah. So those are the kind of guys you and I root for. Well, I,
1: I, I just I always just root for the underdog. Yeah. That's what I do.
2: Of course, we got ties to Blake too, so that there's yeah. that. Yeah, we but, we buy him a fire. But virus. you know, I I walk down through the pits at Knoxville, and I I walk down and see everybody's car. And what's so great about that? I feel the same way about the Chili Bowl, is that you see a variety of different teams, different backgrounds, uh, different money level as far as how much. They put into their program, and these two events really make that show more than everywhere else you go. And to see guys do well Mm -hmm. that really don't have a lot, even if they don't win the race, to see them advance through the week and do better than most people expect, that's what makes these two big events so special to you and me, the Knoxville Nationals and the Chili Bowl. Is that kind of performance, even if they don't win, to see them do better than expected. That that's what makes those two big events.
1: Yeah. In my mind. If you want to be the man, then you have to beat the man. Yeah. That's what Mark Pierce saying.
4: That's what Ric Flair said. That's Ric Flair. That's to be the man. Woo. You got to beat the man.
2: Yeah. Now we got plenty of sound from Saturday night. But we got Chase Rodman coming up here. He just uh, texted back, said he's good to go. All right. Uh, Talk more about the uh, Chase Boxer Rodman, National Trenton Berry
1: on today. Yeah. We've got some good sound. Do you want to run that sound right now? From uh, Kyle Larson. Uh,
2: we got Chase. Uh, We'll bring him yeah, on here 20. 20 in the next after. segment here, but break. we'll play that sound a little bit later right. on in
1: the hour. Oh, I didn't realize that we were at 20 already. Yeah, 21 yeah. Hours. Time flies right.
2: when you're having fun.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, listen, just so you know, I'm not bagging on Kyle Larson. I, I just like to see smaller teams win the race. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be hard on Kyle Larson. I'm not trying to be say that, I guess I used the word cherry-picking at one point during this conversation, but I just thought that I'd like to see somebody with a smaller team win the Nationals.
2: And it was just six years ago that I was rooting big time for Kyle Larson to beat Donnie Schatz, and he fell just a little bit short. Remember that? Yep, Yep. David Gravel looked like he had the race won that night and had an engine blow And then it was down between Shots and Kyle Larson. Everybody was rooting for Kyle Larson to take down Donnie Shots that night. That's only six years ago.
1: So just so you know, I'm not trying to rip on uh, Kyle Larson. I'm just trying to say that I like to see a smaller team win the race. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to say right there. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod in Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We will be back in a moment. Stay tuned.
5: Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to Supply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since nineteen eighty-nine, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rodins, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to RodN Supply sure. rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod-in Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing or going off-road, Rod-in Supply is an assortment of rod radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodinsupply.com.
8: When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others.
7: The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has
0: somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers, that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation.
9: I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. in the hospital eight months, and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal.
8: Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life, and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do.
1: All right, welcome back to uh, Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod in Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Chase Rodman joins us on the show right now. Chase, how are you doing?
0: Just saying that
11: um, I was uh, still recovering here from, from Knoxville, as I'm
1: sure you guys are too, but uh, feeling all right. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, so Kyle Larson leads all 50 laps. Uh, any surprise there?
11: Um, I don't think so because um, when you put that guy on the pole at any race, he's going to be tough to beat, right? So, right. Right. Um, not exactly surprised, but I don't think that would have been the case if Rico didn't get you know his problems at Flat Tire or whatever. I think he would have had something for him, but uh, I guess we'll we'll never know, huh?
1: Well, uh, you know, it, it it appeared that Rico had something for Kyle. Um, do you think that he would have had a chance to outrun Kyle? Because it, it, it seemed to me that Kyle Larson's car was so much was so superior to anybody else. Did did you feel that that's
11: way? Kind of what, yeah, that's kinda of what
1: Donnie said in his uh
11: in his third place interview that Kyle's car is just was well, just lights out compared to everybody else. But I would've liked to see what um what, you know Ricky Warner could have done for Rico under that red flag if he was still running second or third, you know, but I guess we'll never be able to find out. But um I don't know, Rico's car when he went to the back and came back to the front or whatever, he was I mean, he was passing like four or five cars a lap. Uh he was extremely fast. But like I said, I guess we'll just have to wait till, you know, next year or whatever to see if right. he um if he has the speed to win the nationals. But yeah, Kyle was I mean, he set a torrent pace at the beginning of the race, but like he set that same pace the entire way, which was which was super impressive. Obviously with the You know, being able to change tires, that helps. You can do that the whole way, but um, I just think someday we should go back to the old, you know, what was it, 40 laps
1: back in the day, not having a fuel stop or anything. Right, and the comeback driver of the week has to be David Gravel, doesn't it? I would think so. Um, You know, he was poised to
11: be up there in the first two rows if uh, everything, you know, would have went right after qualifying quick time, but... You know just one bad one bad moment in a heat race, and it ruined his entire his entire week. you know, I mean, obviously he was able to recover later on, but you know, had that heat race problem, and then the car was bent, I was told they didn't have time to go get the backup car or anything like that, so had to run the bent car in the c main, still won that, and then you know charged about 10 spots or so for the for the last chance race on the prelim night, but it wasn't quite enough. I was honestly surprised you got the second. I didn't think he was going to be that fast, especially in the field that we had on Saturday right. night for the feature. Uh, but man, was he absolutely rolling right there. Yeah. I still don't know if he had anything for Kyle, but it would have been entertaining for one more restart.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, David Gravel told me I did an interview with him on uh, the day. What day was it, Kirk, that I did that interview with him?
2: Uh, that would have been Friday night.
1: Friday night. I did an interview with him on Friday night after the hard knocks race, and to be honest with you, he told me the frame was broken in two, and they had to weld it back together. And, and for somebody to be able to do that, and start twenty second, and end up running second in the A main—that that's a remarkable feat, I would think. He really is, uh,
11: you know. Obviously,
1: David's a really, really good
11: driver, but I think it also goes to show just how good, you know, Cody Jacobs is, right? I, I feel like he's kind of been under the radar for some people, you know, obviously he's been leading David to a lot of wins over the last couple of years. They're second in points, uh, with the outlaws. They won the high bank nationals. They've won all this other stuff. And, you know, Cody Jacobs has been right there, uh, underrated crew chief. I think there's not enough people talking about him, right. To be able to put David in that position this weekend. Yeah. Um, they've just been, they've really been hitting all stoners this year.
1: Did you feel at one point at during the start of that race that Donnie Schatz had a chance to win that race?
11: Yeah, I did. Um, I thought, you know, at the beginning when he first got by Rico, like he's going to run second for the first 25 laps and just cr- try and stay with Kyle a little bit. Then there was one point in time where he was catching Kyle a little bit in the traffic, and he was running very fast lap times compared to what Larson was running. But then, you know, after that halfway break, um you know he they changed a couple things on the car they changed the left rear shock they obviously changed tires added fuel but i'm sure they did a couple more things there but it just didn't work i mean it it, donnie said the car got worse um the second half of the race Mm -hmm. so uh which was you know complete opposite of what we saw last year he came in the halfway break in the second or third and came out and won the race you know instead he went from second at the halfway break and fell back to fifth and got back to third you know so mm-hmm. just made the wrong adjustments and obviously i i don't think any of us would want to be that crew chief uh at the halfway break of the knoxville nationals with donnie Schatz as your driver and all the stuff he's been able to do there i, I would not want to be in that position at all but right. um, still able to hang on to third and his you know three point something average finish over his 25 knoxville nationals is, is still going to be intact
2: Chase, there's no doubt in my mind, had the tire not gone down for Rico, that he would have had something for Kyle Larson at the end of that race. Having that tire go down, he still came back to seventh. But he really, I believe, had an equal to Kyle Larson. What do you think?
11: Sorry, my phone just got switched over to car plays. you start talking about Rico with with Larson? Yeah.
2: Yeah, don't you think he was the equal to Kyle Larson in this race?
11: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, I think the three fastest guys, even though Rico wasn't up there because of his problem, I think three fastest guys were definitely, obviously Larson and then Gravel and then Rico. Um, I was watching, main thing throughout that race, I was watching lap times up in infield tower, seeing who was, you know, who was running equal times, who was, you know, running faster times than Kyle, and Rico was right there. You know, um, it's just, I, I, think be, I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like there was a lot of flat tires this a, week, a, a whether it was the left rear or the right rear. There
1: was a lot of them. A, and, and with that being said, a lot of cars got torn up because of those tires this weekend, didn't they?
11: Oh, yeah. I mean, Brad Sweet, obviously, is kind of the, the main one there. And then James Fadden. you, you got to feel for him uh, leading the, Leading the B main on a Saturday night, gets flat left tire puts in the wall and you know destroys the car, no fault of his own, and uh, it, you know you hate to see that. And uh, it was kind of weird too. I don't know if you guys listened to what uh, Wade Anders said before the last chance race that every main event up until the up until the B was won by an Australian driver, and McFadden was in the lead in the B main, and then unfortunately had that incident. But yeah, there was a lot of tires. You know, Austin McCarl. He was in a transfer spot in the B, got a flat tire. Uh, a couple other guys got flat tires throughout the night. I don't know what was going on, but uh, a lot more than usual. And I feel like there was a lot more flips than I remember from last Saturday, or, you know, last year's Saturday night main event, with all the stuff that happened in the E-main, the D-main, a couple flips in the in the B-main. just seemed like a lot of uh, big incidents this weekend.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I get, get a shout-out to uh, Matt Covington, they had to cut him out of his car and put him on a backboard and take him to the hospital and it turns out that everything is
2: okay with him. How about Cody Island? Yeah. How's he doing?
11: Yeah, I read uh, you know, we read yesterday that he's actually doing pretty good. Um, you know, the kind of the rumors, you know, were kind of swirling around that he might have a broken leg or something like that, but I guess all those can be put to rest now. They put out a Facebook post and saying that he's just a little banged up, no serious injuries. He's not going to, go to race this weekend at the Jackson Nationals, but uh, he's going to be all right, which was a big surprise because obviously he got backboarded out of there, too. Right? Uh, how do
2: you see that that rear tire of David Gravel during the break? That thing was slicked off. How many, He couldn't have gone much longer with that, could he?
11: Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, especially with, you know, Kyle mentioned there was some rubber at the end of the race. I don't think if David ran that tire the whole way, there was no chance he would have made it. 50 laps on that tire but right. um, you know I feel like that's what the I, I don't know there's people that like the halfway break I feel like I feel like the majority don't like it I, I don't really like it very much because you can do that you can run full throttle you know wide open you can you can you know fall to the wall the entire race and not have to really worry about blowing a tire from you know just tire wear but I don't know 40 laps not knowing I don't know it just you, you know there's going to be a break with a 50-lapper, and then you can try and fix your car. But with a 40-lapper, you don't have that. And I feel like it adds a little bit more mystery, I guess, to, to the race, really. I don't know about you guys. I, I
2: think you ought to be allowed to change fuel. That's it. No tire changes.
11: Yeah, I agree. Kirk, that, that would, that that would, would work. It fix it too.
1: That That would not work because, as you witnessed, that tire was slicked off. And there was no way that that tire was going to make it to the end of the race. There's no way that that was going to happen. And listen, let me, let me just say this. I, I, I was a little um, up on the chip at the start of the show. But me personally, I like to see a, 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 a smaller team win the Knoxville Nationals. I'm not, I, 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 it, it's nothing against Kyle Larson personally. I, I, I love him as a driver. He's one of the greatest drivers that we've got in the United States right now. But I always like to see a, a smaller team win the Knoxville Nationals because of the amount of money that $185,000 is what it paid. Don't we
2: all want that, though, Scott?
1: I, I think we all want that. <laughs> I, uh, me personally, I just I strive for the underdog Always.
11: I 100% do, too. Even in hockey, you know, I love watching hockey. I always pull for the underdog. Uh, And the same thing goes with racing. You know, when we can, even on a regular outlaw show, and we get a guy that doesn't really make the dash very often or makes his first-ever dash, I'm, like, hoping they draw the one in the the draw, you know, because I want to see an underdog, you know, you know, Dave versus Goliath deal, right? But what what I think is cool about the Nationals, though, is, you do still get those underdogs at least in the show and for them that is a huge accomplishment um, to get 15 G's just to just to be in the starting lineup right um, I, I think it's gonna be very hard for them to to win uh, just because of you know the crew chiefs that we have these days that are you know working for the top teams the um, you know the motors and all that stuff right but it was great like so cool to see guys like you know baby Heskin and uh, Skoppagoski and um, you know, Dusty Zomer, which is a big surprise, Chase Randall. Like, I feel like that is a good enough, for me at least, a good enough underdog to see those teams make the show. And for a guy like Brent March to not make the show and have one of those underdog teams kind of knock him out, that just adds to the, you know, the specialness. I don't even know if that's a word of the Nationals, though.
1: Right. L- let me ask you this. Is Paul Silva the best crew chief in the business right now?
11: Right now, I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's obviously a tie, you know, a close tie between him and and uh, Ricky Warner. But I really do think Cody Jacobs right now is a close second. Like, right now, he is right there with, with those guys. And, you know, what's cool is, for me, what I like about the Nationals and all the big races we've had this year is, you know, we had the highlight Nationals, we had the Kings Royal, you know, the Million, now we've had the Knoxville Nationals. And I like how every race so far has been won by a different guy. It's not one guy coming out and winning all of them, you know, like Brent Marks kind of, you know, won the right. the, high, or the historical big one in the King's World. I like how we're diversifying and getting, you know, I mean, obviously Larson's not hurting for money, but some of these other guys that are winning these big races, right, it's getting spread out more and more, which just goes to show the parody in sprint car racing right now. Um, but, yeah, in my opinion, I think the top three three right now, uh, definitely Silva, uh, Ricky Warner, which, I mean, he's been doing it forever, but he's still at the top of his game, uh, and he's shown that this year. And then Cody Jacobs right now are my top
1: three. Okay.
2: Uh, you know, getting back to the tires, uh, they changed the tire earlier in the year, and, you know, some people struggled to get used to that new tire. How is that uh, related to some of maybe the tire issues that we and, had the other night? And the tires
1: are blistering quite a bit we're seeing a lot of inside on the in inner edge on the left rear tire. We're seeing a lot of blistering because they drag that tire through there. Right.
11: Yeah. Um, I don't know if that had to do with anything with the, uh, you know, with the, or a direct correlation with the, uh, flat tires and the blown tires or anything like that. But, uh, and what I can't tell you is, you know, I can't remember his last name, but it's Neil Kalman. Is that his name? Who's your guy? He, uh, he was down there, and he goes to a lot of our races. But he was down there, and every time there was a tire that you know blew up or went flat or whatever, he was down there looking at it and you know taking pictures and, and airing them back up if they were able to to try and find out what could have been the issue. And I respect that from him because you know Hoosier gets obviously a lot of a lot of heat on 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 the internet, right? So yeah, um, they're I mean they're trying right, they're trying to not have those issues, but. Uh, got to respect Neil for being down there and trying to figure things out. So I don't really know, um, if that is a direct correlation, the new tire, obviously threw in quite a few, threw quite a few people for a loop this year. And, um, we've seen it multiple times this year where a guy is, you know, usually really, really good at whatever big race we go to. And they just miss the show. I think Brent March is kind of the story about, you know, this weekend, um, didn't, you know, missed it by a couple spots. I think if there was a yellow at the end of that LCS, he would have been in there, but um yeah, I don't know, man. The tires are a weird deal. I wish I could learn more about them. I need to, you know, go take a, a class or go to the Hoosier Tire plant or something and, and get some more uh, notes on them because uh, they're, they are finicky, I feel like, right? They're a tricky deals right. to learn, and that's the thing is, like John, Donnie's told me before, like the biggest thing that's changed is front car racing over the last 20 years isn't the cars it's the tires and that, right. that kind of stood out to me because they're just such a big deal
1: uh, on a hard knocks night um aaron reitzel picks up the win david gravel was second scott baguski third and davy heskin was fourth they all made it into the show what'd you think about that race
11: i thought it was great i thought it was an awesome race um you know the drama uh, at the end there with Heskin getting by Parker, Price Miller for the last transfer. Right. Uh, the, I was watching the crowd when that pass happened, and they were going crazy. Obviously, Davies raced there weekly for a really long time. He hadn't made a nationals feature in almost 12 years or something like that, right? Right. And he got Bukowski up there making his first ever. And, man, it was he fast all week. Just The prelim night couldn't quite get going through the heat race, but, man, was he super fast all week long. That was great to see for him. And then, man, at the end, gravel... I think like gravel the whole race was kind of like riding around in second. Like he doesn't need to push the issue. Right? He's right. If you start twenty first or if you start twenty second, that's not a huge deal, right? Right. But he like slowly caught up to Aaron, and at the end he's like, "Man, well, I might as well try and win this thing. I'm right here." And then made it really close to the fans. Uh, it was an exciting finish. And then you know Aaron, Aaron is really living up to the to the um, the villain role, right, in the sprint car racing right now with his interview uh, in victory lane. He, he's um, such a he, heel. He, he he feeds into it, man. He he loves it. And yeah. uh I don't know how. I don't know how he can how he can deal with all the boo's and things like that. I think that'd get to you over time, but I think he's been dealing with it for so long that he's just kind of he's kind of, you know, living up to it, right?
3: Yeah.
1: And and his comments after in Victory Lane that he said to the fans that were booing him in the stands, that was a little um, a rub on the fans in the grandstands. Wasn't they were it? booing him. Yeah. yeah. They were booing him.
11: <laughs> oh, they were booing him. You know, and I mean, he's obviously had some controversy over the last couple of years and with multiple different things going on, right? But one thing's kind of stayed the same is he's still winning. He's still getting the job done. Yeah, right. Uh, and I don't know how. I, what's the saying, like, you can earn respect, like, over a long time, but then you can lose it, like, in one minute or, like, one lap or whatever you want to say, like, and that's the thing, is, like, the fans don't forget what he's been doing over the last couple years with, you know, whether it's getting into somebody or, right. you know, the whole penalty with the outlaws or throwing a bike or whatever, right? They, right, they don't yeah. That stuff. And he's yeah. just, and I don't know, he's just, uh, I feel like he's going to have to deal with that for a long time. Like, he could not run into somebody or do anything bad for the next 10 years but he's still gonna get booed. I feel
1: like yeah, no doubt. So, he do I I gotta say this, Davy Heskin. At the end of that in that press conference, he was waiting for his family to come in, and and he was so emotional, just talking about his family. And when they showed up in there, and he was waiting for his kids to come in there, so he could have a really good time with his family. Uh, Davy Heskin, man, I'm I'm telling you, that was such a a great performance for him to end up running um, third in that ra- or what was it fourth in that race?
11: Yeah, that was it was awesome, you know, and that's where that underdog thing kind of comes into play. Like, not many people really thought that. I mean, Davey Heskin, obviously, he's he's good at Knoxville, right? But um, there's just so many other guys that are that one step above him that we expect to be in the show. Uh, but we, I, I had him picked in my uh, in my Knoxville Nationals pool, right? But uh, I wasn't anticipating him making the show, and I don't think a lot of people were either. But that is – that's what we – I mean, that's what the Nationals is all about, man, is right. stories like that. And there was a couple of them this week. So uh, it was great to see how emotional he was down in Victory Lane, uh, you know, on the phone. I don't know who he was on the phone with, but whoever it was must have been pretty darn important. I mean, he was crying, and, you know, the Dervision cameras stayed on him as he was on the phone, and, um, that was a super special moment to see because I feel like if you're him and you hadn't made the Nationals in 12 years, you're like man, thinking, man, can I do it again? You know, I'm. Same thing goes with Dusty Zomer, right? I mean, he hadn't even tried to be at the Nationals for six years, and he made it first try back. But for those guys, I feel like they're thinking, man, even.
2: And how about hun- how about 100 percent? Hunter Schoenberg gets an outside third row starting spot. Of course, he didn't. He didn't fare all that well in the A main, but to see him be able to uh, celebrate the fact that he was going to get a great starting spot in the A feature after what he's been through this year, that's, that was something.
11: Yeah, absolutely. And that's two years in a row for the, for the Speed Lab guys where they just do everything right, but I feel like it kind of flew under the radar, right? I mean, he wasn't challenging for a win on the prelim night. He was kind of right there, fifth, sixth, seventh, qualified good, got through the heat race, which is obviously important and was able to hang on and put it in the show and be way up there in the point standings, right? That's two years. They did that last year with Justin Sanders too, you know? So um, it's crazy to me how good that car is for as little as they race. Um, they only race, you know, seven, eight, nine times a year. Uh, they run the midget a little bit here and there, but um, they, Kevin's, Kevin's got that stuff figured out. I wish they would race more. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's tough, uh, you know, to get everything going, and, uh, you know, do it on a consistent basis. But it is very cool to see a team like that still be able to put it in the Nationals two years in a row on a very, very part-time basis.
2: Uh, Let's talk about two guys. Let's talk about the younger guys, the Rookie of the Year, Chase Randall and Corey Day. These two guys are the shining lights of the future in sprint car racing.
11: Yeah, they are. Um, You know, Randall, wow, what a performance that was on Wednesday night. You know, to, to battle Donnie, come very close to the win on his first ever try at the finals. Um, I mean, we all knew that it was going to be the rookie of the year battle was probably going to be between him, uh, Tanner Holmes, Garrett Williamson, Ryan Pence. Those were kind of the four guys that, I mean, at least I was looking at. Um, and But the thing is, like with Randall, like I feel like that car, that car has not been, I mean, they've had a revolving door of drivers in that car, right, the last couple of years. Um, and they hadn't made a national since 2017. Uh, so that was kind of the thing. If, if Chase was in his own car, I would have felt a whole lot better about him making the show. But, wow, they, they made it. They, they did it. You know, they, um, they proved me wrong, that's for sure. So yeah, that was really awesome to see him be in, in the show. And, and Corey Day, he wasn't a rookie. He ran last year but didn't make the show. But I think everybody had him on their list of guys that should be in the Knoxville Nationals. And I don't know where he finished, but I think he was in the top ten. He had a really good run.
1: Yeah. Um, how about Anthony Macri picks up Mr. Sprint Car? What do you think about that?
11: Yeah, uh, he was down after the race. Uh, he was kind of, like, standing there waiting for us to interview him. And then we had some kind of issue in the tower or something where all the microphones, like, got broken after the third-place interview or something. But, Anyway, he was standing, he was like, yeah, hey, I'm down here for, uh, you know, Mr. Sprint Car. I don't even know what that is. And I was like, well, uh, buddy, it pays $6,500, you know, to win. <laughs> so, um, he's like, oh. And like was, like, all happy about it, right? Um, but, yeah, he was solid all week long. You know, whether they hit the three hundred and fifty Nationals, he was good at Oskaloosa, and he was decent at the, in the Nationals finale. So, that was cool to see, um, especially after all the heat he's been catching recently about, man, can this guy – drive anything outside of his own family car, right? Right. So he goes out there and wins that, that Jesse Hockett Award and, and an extra couple thousand bucks there.
2: Filling in for Tyler Courtney. Do we know uh, how Sunshine is doing, how soon he could be back in a race car? I heard he's coming back this weekend.
11: I think cool. that the All-Stars are at Outlaws, Speedway, New York, and he's supposed to be there.
1: Yeah. Did you ever get a, a chance to meet Jesse Hockett?
11: I did not. No, that was kind of before... Uh, my time of traveling with, uh, you know, out in the Midwest and stuff for I never got to meet him. I've watched plenty of videos, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, just so you know, he was in the studio the night before his passing, right here with Kirk and I. Yeah. And uh, it was the day before his passing when he unfortunately got electrocuted in his trailer. Yeah,
2: he was, a, he was a great guy. He to, was to
1: be honest with you, to to be fair, Jesse Hockett used to come up and do the ASCS show with us every week. He did it for five out of the seven weeks that we did it that week.
2: Two-hour drive one way.
1: Two-hour drive. Wow. And he would come up here to be, just be a part of the show, and we love Jesse Hockett as much as anybody, man. I'm telling you, he was such a great guy and such a – a, a, a great person.
2: Yeah, and he would race anything, anywhere, anytime. Non-wing, wing, midget. He he was just so passionate about And he was becoming really good at the time that uh, we lost him. But uh, Jesse Hockett, and here's, here's just a testament to Jesse Hockett. The Jesse Hockett-Daniel McMillan Memorial Race, held every year at Lucas Hole Speedway, gets bigger every year. The car counts and everything. It's all testament to Jesse Hockett. Yeah, no doubt.
11: Yeah, he's a guy I definitely wish I would have met. You know, and another guy in that same kind of category is Brian Clawson, right? I mean, that guy was oh, yeah. a hero yeah. of mine for a long time. Um, and I never got to meet him. And I think, like, you know, if, if we didn't lose either of those guys, I would have been able to meet him in my position right now, you know. So yeah, um, I heard, I've heard a lot of good things about Jesse over the years. And it's great they still have an award. You know, named after him. I think that's awesome. So um, cool to see Macri get that win, get that get that extra you know bonus money, and um, yeah, I just uh, I um I've heard and I've heard a lot of good things about Donnie Ray Crawford too. I know you guys he was special to you guys yeah. as well. I oh, yeah. never got to meet him either. So
1: yeah, no um, doubt about
11: it. Heard a lot of good things about all three of those guys.
1: Um, did did did, did you feel at at one point, that David Gravel had a chance to run down Kyle Larson because he he started to shorten the distance in between the two of them a little bit, didn't he?
11: He did, and I think if he had a um, you know another yellow there, I think he definitely would have had something for him. I mean, he looked so good. And I, like I said, I was watching the lap times, and they were kind of going back and forth. Like David wasn't like you know overly faster than Kyle was at all, but. Still, I mean, he was running, uh, I would say, the same pace as him, just, you know, ran out of time, really. That's, I mean, that's all there is to it. He ran out of time. And I saw an interview with Cody Jacobs after the race, and uh, the guy asked him, you know, she needed a couple more laps on. He's like, well, it was already a 50 lap race, you know, so
12: you're not going to, I mean,
11: it's, it's called a sprint car race for a reason. It's a sprint. You know, I say 50 is about the same, it's about the max amount you could do besides the Ironman race, but, right. um, yeah, I, I think Dave – maybe if he, Dave would have started 18th, you know, just a couple rows ahead, he might have had a shot at him.
1: Right. Uh, and just so you know, I, I'm not sure that they could run 40 laps on a full load of fuel because they burn about a, a gallon a lap. And and that would put them right about 30 laps.
2: Well that's what the that's what the length used to be. Yeah. Traditionally it was 30 it laps. It was 30 the, laps. And, right. and that all changed in the 50th anniversary race in 2010 when it went to 50 laps and it's been that way ever since.
1: Yeah. I I I am not I'm not a big fan of the the halfway
2: break. I like the 30 lap race. Do you, don't you chase yeah. what do yeah. you think?
1: Yeah.
11: Yeah, I think 30 laps is is I mean it's a sprint car race, right? That's what but it's also a marquee sprint car race and I feel like we do have a lot of those big races that, that do go more laps, and I think it deserves to go a few more laps. But, yeah, I just think you've got to somehow get rid of the halfway break, right? I mean, maybe they do have a halfway I don't even know. Like, maybe it's – I don't know. I just don't want – if they did have halfway break, there's only two guys allowed to go to the car, right, to put fuel in it, and that's it, yeah. nothing else.
3: I but agree.
11: the fact that the drivers still know – that there's gonna be a break coming. I don't like that part of it.
2: Yeah, they did the same thing at the Eldora million. They had a break about twenty laps into it and they allowed to change tires during that break. I remember talking to Rico the night before. Rico said, Yeah, I'm I don't mind the break, but we shouldn't change tires. Remember him saying that? Yeah. We shouldn't be allowed to change tires. Rico said that. The guy that had tire troubles the other night.
3: Right.
11: Yeah. I mean the tire thing, it's just that is you can you can go so hard the whole time and not have to really worry about anything. Obviously, gravel stuff was relatively close at the halfway break, but um, you know and that's why I, I think it would feed into more of a guy like Adani Shots, right? Like he's so good at saving his stuff, and I think that's what he was doing the first half of the race. I mean, Larson was out there balls to the wall every single lap, pulling away by over a straightaway. And Donnie was just kind of back there. He knows he's calculated. He knows how to do it right. He's done it 11 times to save his stuff and and not get himself in trouble. And it just doesn't it doesn't really do anything for you, really. I mean, if you're able to change tires and just put a brand new set on. I just feel like that strategy just doesn't really work anymore. You know, it kind of feeds right. more into the guys that are able to go to ball, so ball the entire race.
2: And you just hit on why Donnie Schatz has 20 podium finishes in his last 23 starts at the Nationals because he doesn't go all out from start to finish. He's the patient guy. He's the guy that's laying back, knowing what he's got at the end of the race while everybody else is flat and, out.
1: And nobody's better at running the center than Donnie Schatz. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of when I was, you know, middle
11: school, uh, high school. All my friends and I, that's all we say is like, you'd be stopping the guy running the middle, and hey, running the middle like Donnie shots, you know, that was kind of the running joke, because uh, Donnie was just so good at it, right? Um, and he, like I said, he's calculated. He he knows, and he's so focused that week. Every time I see him, that guy has got his head down. He's, you know, he is thinking about. His, he always says the process, you know, of that week. Um right. And I, I was really pulling for him, guys. I really was. I wanted to see that record get tied. But I still think he's got a lot more years left in him to, to try and make that happen. Yeah. I, I looked at the stat and I saw that Steve Schindler, he won his 12 Knoxville Nationals over 8. From the first one to the last one, it was like 24 or 23 races or something like that. And that, and Donnie, if he would have done it this weekend, it would have been 17 races. You That's know what I... have less years to do it.
2: You want know to find out, Chase? And uh, this, uh, and I've seen every one of his wins up there, but he just seems more approachable over the last three or four years. Uh, more easier to talk to, I found well, over the last uh, two or three years.
1: I think it's because the fans are starting to take on Donnie Shots as as not the villain, but as the guy that everybody wants to see win in his final years of his career. What do you think about that?
11: Absolutely, I 100% agree with that. Um, You know, the sense been a long time ago, you know, maybe eight, seven, eight years ago when he was winning everything, when he was winning 30 races a season, people were tired of seeing him win. But now they've seen him kind of go through these these struggles, right? The last couple years, struggling, not winning 10 races, still able to get some marquee wins here and there, obviously. But um, he hasn't been dominant. And the fans... You know they they respect everything he's done. I think they you know, they might boo him or whatever, but they still respect over 300 wins, 10 championships, 11 Knoxville Nationals. But when you see a guy that was so dominant for so long start struggling, man, it, I it kind of it kind of gets to me still. Honestly, guys, I mean, I and I hate see. I don't want to see a guy win 30 races, right? I mean, that's, right, I it's a little repetitive. I, I'm I'll admit it, but to see him struggling, to enact all that success. To only win you know four or five races every now and again um it does it is very weird, but the fans uh they are starting to come around to him, and he is much more approachable like I feel like five years ago I would have been scared of Donnie Shaw trying to talk to him but I feel like he was just kind of a mean guy, but he's not he's like one of the and I have a little bit of a different relationship compared to like some fans i right? he is he is one of the best guys in the pit area I yeah. think and he, yeah. Takes time for the fans and he's always in his t shirt trailer and his t shirt trailer is one of the only ones that's left to open at the end of the night for the fans to come in and, and check stuff out. So I agree with that.
1: Yep. So this uh weekend is the forty fifth annual Jackson Nationals at Jackson Motorplex in Jackson, Minnesota. Uh what do you what do you feel about this weekend coming up? That's a three day weekend. Are you are you tired yet?
0: Yeah, Jackson. I mean, it's cool to
1: they've done uh they moved that race around a little
11: bit. To be closer to the nationals, so also you got the high limit race at Houston this week. So I'm hoping all those things combined can bring some more cars in for that race. Uh, last year I can't remember exactly how many we had, but with the format they've got, uh, it's similar to Knoxville. So you gotta have a few more cars show up to make it work, right? So hopefully with the high limit race, hopefully with it being a week closer to the national, it um, can drop some more some more uh, cars to come in. I know that. Uh, Justin Sanders sticking around with. The, I think maybe we'll see announcement Tanner Homes Facebook page. Maybe we'll see him stick around for an extra week. Love we'll to wait and see. Yes, national uh, fun week, great facility, um, and it's another big race, right? Another
1: well, I think pays twenty-five thousand to win, so the drivers are not going to complain about that.
3: Yep, no doubt. Chase,
1: we we can't thank you enough for being a part of the show each and every week, man. Uh, it's such a, a an honor to have you on the show each and every week, and we can't thank you enough for doing so. And we really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah,
2: great job on the coverage all week,
1: man. You did you, you did a fantastic job, man. Uh, I'm just saying you you are as good as anybody gets in this business. Just so you know that. Oh, well,
11: I appreciate that, guys. And I gotta um. God, it was great to see you this week a couple of times. And I, you know, uh, I appreciate you talking to me for a bit. And uh, I got to go um, put my, my dirt vision shirt in the washing machine. I don't know if you guys saw what happened. Me, but, uh, that's, uh, that's a tradition that I did not approve of. I'll tell you that right now. But it, it was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Okay, Chase. Thank you so much for joining us here on Mostly Motorsports. We get, can't thank you enough, buddy. Get some sleep, my friend. Uh,
11: yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna do that a little bit later on. I appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks again. All, All right. right,
1: thank you, Chase. Good guy, really good guy, right there, man. I it, it, listen. He's just about as good as they get.
2: Yeah, no, he knows the race cars, and uh, it, it, when he goes down there it, and reports on something that's wrong, he can describe it, it as well as any other. His
1: wealth of knowledge yep. is really extraordinary.
2: And uh, I liked uh, the new. Uh, kid they've got up here at Knoxville, Blake Walker, I thought, uh, did a great job. Uh, and he's d- done a good job all season. So yeah. uh, I don't know if he replaces uh, Chris Krug, who's uh, calling it Chris a is, career after this year. But uh, This is
1: his final year up at Knoxville. Final year. But, and, and we're going to have him on here right. before long.
2: So I don't know if Blake Walker goes up into the tower or if he stays in the pits, but he's a good young announcer, too, so doing a good job. And yep. we always enjoy Wade Onger from australia yep no
1: doubt about it we're going to take a break it's mostly motorsports it's all brought to you by rod in supply featuring the power i midwest lightning sprints and uh i think they're racing down electric city speedway aren't they friday Coming night up. friday night
2: yeah. yeah all right so we're we gonna to... the sound you want to play that next we'll play it next from the presser on saturday night yeah all right we'll be back with more with mostly
1: motorsports in a moment stay tuned
0: you're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys.
5: Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rodins, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to Rodinsupply.com. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to Supply.com. rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod-in Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing or going off-road, Rod-in Supply is an assortment of rod and radius rods, and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodinsupply.com.
8: When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others.
7: The Foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather
0: be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation.
9: I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. in the hospital eight months, and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal.
8: Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life, and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do.
1: Welcome back. It's mostly motor sports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing down Electric City Speedway this Friday night. Kirk, we got some sound from the presser from the other night. And
2: um, let's go ahead and play some of that. Yeah, let's, uh... let's first hear from Kyle Larson, the winner. Of the $185,000, his second Knoxville Nationals win, and how he was able to get it done.
13: Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, I re- honestly didn't know what my strategy, the first few laps was going to be until you know, we rolled out on the track. And, and I saw them doing track prep up top, and I think while we were doing our intros and stuff, they must have touched the bottom. And uh, so that helped me make a decision of just cruising the bottom for a little while and um, just trying to stay calm down there, trying to hit your marks. You know, I was I was uh, felt like if I could run clean laps, I could get a decent gap, and I wanted to you know lap as many people as I could before the halfway break, hoping that some of them would just give up <laughs> at the halfway break, and we'd have less cars to deal with you know for the second half. But um, it was it was tricky, you know. It, the The bottom was fast for a while, but then I caught traffic really quick, and you know, they were kind of running all over the place in front of me, and I, I the middle didn't seem to have great grip, and and I was afraid to go to the top too early, and uh see rico or, or donnie's nose but uh, thankfully i never saw anybody cautions kind of played out at the right times for me too a couple of them which really helped me and um kind of settle back in and, and get some clean laps going and, and kind of just uh click some laps off for a while so there was definitely a few sketchy moments in traffic where i got hung up and, and i just wasn't sure you know how close those guys were behind me you know if any lines had developed but uh felt like i i made all the right decisions are, are mostly right. You know, I had a couple bad laps, but uh, for the most part, I felt like I ran a, a pretty good race. So um, definitely feels cool to uh, to add my name to the to the list of guys who've won this thing multiple times.
2: Here we talked to Kyle Larson after his qualifying run on Thursday night, where he finished second. He didn't think he drove a very good race at all. He made a lot of mistakes, uh, but you know, he doesn't drive a sprint car as often as a lot of these guys do, but even though the car is just as good as everybody else's in the world of Outlaws, uh, he doesn't drive these cars as much as uh, some of these other guys do, but he talks about uh, just running these major events, including the Knoxville National, and how big that is uh, to his racing.
13: I definitely feel more comfortable, I think, every time I come here, but it's also more than just me. I think, you know, Paul getting him, he gets the car better and better every year. Um, there's no doubt that I would love to be better earlier earlier in the night to make things a little bit easier, um, you know, for the prelim nights. But I think your qualifying is getting a little bit better on half miles uh, this year. So, um, but it, it, takes, it takes a great team and Paul's a symbol of, the, of Phenomenal race team with Trevor and, and Doug and, and all the partners um, <clears throat> on our race cars. So, um, and then too, I mean, you got to study. You got to study hard. And, and we've all every every competitor here has studied this guy a ton. And and you see, you know, you see this style of racing change over the last few years. I think as, as guys have studied, you know, a lot of people have gotten better on the bottom and, and even off the bottom too. You know, through the middle because of watching him. So, um, but you know, it's. The 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 competition gets elevated each year, as guys get better and better. So, just fortunate to uh, to to win another big one, and and hope. I would love to go on a tear like Donnie. Um, I feel like I'm already too old to ever get to what he's accomplished here, but um, you know we're we're off to a, a decent start, I guess.
2: I don't think the average NASCAR fan realizes how hard it is to do what Kyle Larson's doing here. Uh, you know, his full-time NASCAR Cup Series driver. He doesn't run these cars all the time to come in here and run at the level that he does. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of your average NASCAR fans appreciate just how special and how tough this is for Kyle Larson to do.
1: Right. No, no doubt about it. Uh, hello, hello. There we go. We're, we're, uh, may, maybe we we're need. We're going to switch this here right now. We're, we're going to have to have this break. All right. Go ahead. Um you're good. All right. So anyway, long story short is Kyle Larson is the best driver in America.
2: Yeah. I mean without question. There's there's no question about that. But he's got to do a lot of extra work on his part in order to pull this off. Uh not just his NASCAR duties, but he's he's just he's gonna roll in here to Knoxville and not do a lot of preparation on his own. To run this well at a big event like this.
1: Right. Yep. Um, Tammy, she just chimed in. She said, receive my National Sprint Car Hall of Fame t-shirts four days after I ordered them. Love the shirts and and happy to support the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Sprintcarstuff.com. Just go yeah, to Sprintstar, Sprintcarstuff.com. A lot of great stuff up there. Kirk. How many tickets uh, how many tickets did we buy for the for the
2: uh Well I bought 350 plus tickets up there a week ago when I was up there for the 360 national and
1: then I bought 190 tickets. So we
2: got about over 500 tickets for the over, Corvette. F- maybe we got a chance
1: to win that yeah. thing.
2: And uh, the ticket sales closed yesterday. We'll find out Saturday. Hey, who I, wins the Corvette.
1: I bought a a hoodie up there at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, and a a buttoned-up Sprint Car Hall of Fame shirt that I'm going to wear on the air here a couple times. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool stuff. All right, you got stuff. more
2: sound, right? I do. Let's hear from the second-place finisher, David Grable, who came after crashing his car on the qualifying night on Wednesday, had to run the hard knocks race, finished second- <coughs> to Aaron Reitzel on Friday night, starts 22nd on Saturday night, and finishes second in the A-Main. Let's hear from second-place finisher David Gravel.
14: Uh This is a good second. You know, uh, last year was a frustrating second, but um, this year was definitely uh, a good second, an acceptable second, that's for sure. But Uh, Man, we just had a fast car all week long. We've been fast all year and uh, just had an unfortunate uh, deal on our prelim night. And uh, we just never gave up and luckily was able to get in the show. And I know if you're in the show, we're going to have a chance and got a really good start, got a couple rows. And uh, from there, I found the top and really zinged by a bunch of guys there. And before I knew it, I was in in the top ten. So uh, we're happy with second tonight.
2: And he talks about his struggles just getting to where he was able to finish up on saturday night
14: (laughs) that's hard to say uh you know getting in dirty air sliding up the racetrack and somebody uh sliding up into my left front it's just one of the things uh sometimes you i put myself in a bad spot and uh paid the price for it so i definitely uh regret uh the entrance to turn three on lap one of my heat race but uh, it is what it is so i think uh we have a lot to look forward to this year uh battling for a championship um winning hew um, being on the podium at the King's Royal, being on the podium at this race, so um, I feel like we're hitting on all cylinders, and uh, it seems like we're always battling, uh, you know, a bad pill drawn, still qualifying good. So there's no quitting this team. We keep fighting every time we're on the racetrack, and uh, we're just gonna keep doing our thing, and uh, good things will happen.
2: I mean, we talked about it with Chase Rodman a little bit earlier. You talked to him the other night about repairing that race car, uh, and getting that it was to broke. where it ended up.
1: It broke the frame on that race wow. car, and they had to weld it back together.
2: I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. The it, he and his crew were able to pull that off and get that finished. Normally, you don't hear a lot of or don't see a lot of smiles from David Gravel after a second place finish because he likes to win. But right, I think uh, they felt a big sense of accomplishment of what they were able to pull off. Twenty after second what been to through. second, yeah,
1: that's. That that's a pretty remarkable feat right there. That is.
2: Uh, all right, you got a little Donnie shot sound, don't you? Donnie shots his 20th podium finish in his last 23 starts, and uh, he talks about his run. Uh, he knew pretty quickly that he uh, probably didn't have the guy, he didn't have the car to to win on Saturday night.
9: Well, uh, clearly the, we we wanted to win, but we weren't good enough to. Um, you know, from the word go, we got we got behind Kyle. Uh, but even at the start of the race, when on the bottom, I mean, he gapped us right away. And uh, you know, I knew I was pretty free. I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't get the right side of my race car back at that point, and it, and it wasn't going to get any better. Um, you know, and I just kept going as hard as I could. Um, we had one of them yellows, and um, Kyle went to the bottom. I went to the top. We got a decent run, and I thought, well, maybe here we go. And uh, man, once he got to the top, we couldn't even see him. And you know, we, we kind of hung the rest of the time. Uh, the the stoppage there, you know, we changed tires, and um, I don't know if we just got something that wasn't right or whatever, but I could never even hold the left rear up from that point on, so it was kind of a I felt like I was uh, in a cage match with myself to try to get it to go and, and stay up, but um, you know, we were, I guess we're pretty fortunate to, to run third after that. I just could not get stuck uh, from that halfway point on, and um, you know, we had to fight with some pretty good cars to just stay third, and, and clearly had to have some luck. Some guys fell out for us to to stay on the podium so um, can't hang your head on it um, you know it is what it is that, this is the Knoxville Nationals you're not going to win it uh, every time obviously we tried our best and it wasn't good enough but um, Kyle was pretty exceptional so it's pretty cool to see uh, I can tell you right now this is a very hard race to win from the pole so now we expect him to go win the Indy 500 from the pole next year
2: Yeah, and he knows more than anybody else of what it takes to win from the pole he's been on the pole eight times at the Nationals, and uh, 11 wins, 8 seconds, and one-third place finish in the last 23 years. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So, Kirk, you went up to uh, Heartland
2: Park Topeka this weekend, didn't you? I did. Hey, uh, before we get to that, can I play one more soundbite? And I I feel, this is from Kyle Larson, but I think uh, it's it's important for me to play because, uh, you know, I've been going to Knoxville ever since I was a kid, and I, it, it's home to me. It, it, Knoxville Raceway means more to me than any other racetrack in, uh, in the world because, you know, I grew up 90 miles from there. But to hear a world-class driver talk about Knoxville and why he loves this race more uh, this week more than any other time of the year, it's, uh, it's pretty special. Here's what Kyle Larson has to say about why he loves coming to Knoxville every year.
13: Yeah, no, it's um, like you said, I, I do get to compete in a lot of big, massive events, you know, the biggest, <clears throat> biggest in our country, some of the biggest in the world. Um, and, and I would say that the staff here at Knoxville, they do as good of a job, if not better than than a lot of the events I get to compete in as far as just building the overall atmosphere. When we were doing the four-wide, that was, that was sick. I, you know, I was watching the big screen and, and the fireworks going off, the lights you know, flashing. Um, they've really you know, invested a lot of money into this facility and, it, and it's paid off in making the overall event a great experience for not only the fans, but us competitors too. So, um, Knoxville is, is the, the event I look forward to the most. There may be one other event next year that, that I might look forward to a little bit more, but um, this is just, uh, this, is, this is the greatest week of the year for me. You know, I, I look forward to it all all year long. You know, I, I have FOMO when the 360 Nationals is going on because I just can't wait to get to this little town and see all my friends, see the race fans, get to, get to race on the best surface, you know, in the country, in the world. Um, so it's just, uh, again, you know, the Knoxville staff here, does such a phenomenal job that, uh, and they keep amping it up every year. I mean, this is new, you know, for this year, and this is uh, this is amazing as well. So they find a way to make it cooler each and every year.
2: You know, as a born and bred Iowan that grew up 90 miles from Knoxville, uh, to hear him talk about why he comes back to Iowa every year that uh, that's pretty special. Next
1: year, the Indianapolis 500 is going to be his biggest race.
2: Yeah, how big's that going to be?
1: That's going to be huge. And and to be fair, he could have a chance to win that race. Do you believe that? Uh, yeah. If, but, if you think about Kirk Bush running eighth his first yeah. race, it, is Kyle Larson more talented than Kirk Bush? Yeah,
2: I think Kirk Bush is a talented driver. He's a very <laughs> talented driver. But if Kyle Larson attacks that like he does, like he does. These big races and sprint cars and puts in the work yeah. and the effort, he could win it. Don't count him out. Yeah. He's got to be in a good ride, you know. But uh, is is he going to drive a Chip Kenassi car? I'm not sure about that. I don't. I don't know the full story of, about. Yeah, he's going to be in good equipment. There's no doubt about. No it. No doubt. But it, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch. There's, there's no, and he's going to work at it make no make no mistake about that
1: he could definitely win the Indianapolis 500 next year yeah. do you think
2: so wow would that be something that would be unbelievable if he were able to pull that off I wouldn't count him out
1: he's got the talent i, I I'm just saying Kyle Larson is the most talented driver in the in America right now he who, picked- who who would be a close second Kirk? Who do you think would be a close second?
2: I don't know. Kyle uh, Busch? Kyle Busch. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, just to well, Who do you think, Todd?
4: I'm sorry. I was looking up the stuff for Kyle Larson. But go ahead. Um, what was the question again?
1: Uh, uh, the question is: is, who do you think is the second most talented driver? Is it Kyle Larson? I mean, is Kyle, it Kyle, Kyle Bush.
4: Yeah, I'd say Kyle Bush, but I don't see him competing as many. I mean, Kyle Bush doesn't. I mean, he hasn't competed like in Chili Bowl for all those years, but you don't see somebody like that come rolling in and and make it to the A main. You know what I'm saying? It, right. It's a different breed of cat. I'd say, if you want to ask me, Christopher Bell is probably one of the most talented drivers there is right no now. No doubt.
1: No doubt about it.
4: And I think given the right opportunity christopher bell will ex- exceed most people's expectations
1: do you think christopher bell has the talent to win the knoxville nationals kurt yes yeah if absolutely if
4: he was given the uh, opportunity a, a to great race,
1: opportunity in a great car because he's
2: not even racing stuff he, well, he won in a, a wing sprint car last year down at lake ozart speedway Did you remember that yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: I so,
4: think
1: like
2: I said, but Christopher. That's, that's Bill,
1: Lake Ozark Speedway.
2: Yeah, but I mean, he he's driven wing sprint cars and he, could he I, adapt I, at it?
1: But I, I think he he could be an exceptional
2: uh, wing sprint car but driver. I don't think Joe Gibbs wants him out messing around with. Uh, he, he doesn't want him open driving wheel open wheels.
4: So um, Larson's going to be racing. Um, all, um, it's a Chevy powered car, Hendrick Motorsports. So it's a Chevy Hendrick sports car. Oh, that's it is what it is. And it's Arrow yeah. McLaren Indy Car. Arrow
2: McLaren, that's it. So
4: that's that's. Who it, you it's got. good equipment. Oh, it's real good equipment. Yeah. I. Some people said that that was probably. I mean, I saw an interview with, Kyle Busch, and he kind of said, you know, that was probably my ride. I was that was probably going to be my my ride in that car, but, things have changed in the last few years, and Larson is the guy right now. You know, I mean, obviously he's. He's yeah, probably he's, the best
2: driver on the planet. Then he'll have to try to make it back to Charlotte to run the Coke Six Hundred.
4: Yeah, it's that race yesterday. I don't know if you. I know you guys didn't watch my. It was a, that road race, but it was a pretty good race. Michael
2: McDowell, the winner. How about that? How about that? Mm-hmm. I love
4: seeing somebody that you don't normally get to see in victory lane. It just
1: Michael McDowell is a, a, a really talented. He's race really darker. good. He's really good, and he's
2: humbled. You know, well, he's run well on all these road courses. He's run up towards the front. Yeah. So I don't think it should be any surprise that he won. They there wasn't a yellow flag in that race for yeah,
4: that just, the last
2: seventy-seven laps, I believe. Yeah, that kind of made it. And so he pretty much dominated the event. Yeah, I'm sure but he Larson, liked that. Larson ended up eighth, right? Yeah, he was top
4: ten finish. So I've like he had a pretty good weekend, I'd say. Chase a good <laughs>
2: Elliott has got to win a race wow. over the next two weeks in order to make it into the playoffs. Remember he sat out because that snowboarding incident. What's the next two weeks, Kurt? Yeah, He's Watkins Glen Watkins next week, Glen. which he can win that he yeah. has before, and uh, Daytona coming up uh, week uh, two weeks from this past I looked, Saturday.
4: I look at him to throw all of his best and, and into this Watkins Glen because he has won it before. It's a wild card race at best, you know, for a lot of drivers anyway you you put you get your good starting spot in a in a road race like this and and keep yourself out of trouble i he could win that but you're right kirk That's it's that injury that he had with that snowboard i mean we knew it would probably make a difference but we had no idea that it, we figured he'd probably pick a win up somewhere but right. we had no idea we'd be at this point in the season that it, it,
2: it, it, it's all on the line it's the all next, two, I mean, next that, two weeks that's
4: much watch tv you know what i'm saying that, right, that's yeah. a good watch that's just good to watch right there yep, no
2: well, to, yeah well just yeah i have my doubts at this point if chase elliott can make it in
4: yeah you know, i thought i don't
2: same. i don't think he will
4: yeah i i i, I Like I said, he could win Watkins Glen. Daytona is a crapshoot and a half, right? Right. You You never know what's going to happen there. You get caught up in a wreck in two seconds, and it's over with. So, yeah, he has won. Next week is really the week.
2: His best
1: chance to win. It is. And and you say he's won there before.
2: At Watkins Glen. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, as far as versatility, and we're talking about Kyle Larson, just how good he is. Now Tony Stewart's really the only other driver that I can remember that had that kind of versatility that could jump in one kind of car and another and win and uh, but we we've not seen hardly anybody in yours and my lifetime with do the talent what, that Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson has done no doubt and and went at the highest level of wing sprint car racing which is very very difficult for anybody to do and and also jump in a dirt late model and win at the win. highest level. Yeah. How hard is that, that?
4: That's what I'm saying. It, Ricky Thornton, Jr., I mean, if that kid can have some more exposure to some different type of cars, I wouldn't yeah. put it past him to figure out how to wheel around anything. But the fact that Larson can jump into anything and yeah. run it, I'm, that that's
2: a game changer, yeah, man. Yeah, you brought yeah. up Ricky Thornton, Jr. He, uh, he put on a show. He and Bobby Pierce down at the North-South 100 at Florence Speedway over the weekend. We saw Ricky Thornton Jr. at the Chili Bowl earlier this year make the A-Main run up front. And he's a pretty versatile driver. We've seen him win in dirt modifieds and now at the highest level of dirt late model racing. But he and Bobby Pierce are the two big guns right now. And to watch Bobby Pierce come from 13th starting spot and Ricky Thornton from 23rd to 2nd. That was a great show at the North South 100 over the weekend. Bobby Pierce coming up with another big crown jewel victory, his second in a row after winning a great 100 lap race at Cedar Lake the week before.
1: And our friend uh, Mike Mahler, he picked up $20,000 at the Deep Prize 75. He picked up that win, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, he, and he won one of the preliminary races at the North South. Uh, earlier in the week, so it looks like Mike Marler is starting to get it together. Of course, he's a three-time winner at the Late Model Knoxville Nationals, so look forward to seeing him up at Knoxville where he always runs good. So
1: Bobby Pierce picked up seventy-five thousand dollars, and I thought for a second there, Ricky Thornton Jr. was going to get yeah. in there and win that <laughs> yeah, deal, didn't he? He was
2: making a run up there, yeah. man. He was making a charge, and uh, you know, Ricky Thornton Jr. has won several crown jewel races this year. He should have won the uh, North uh, the Show Me One Hundred, but had got sus- uh, a suspension because of the broken bracket on the on the you know the droop rule. The droop rule uh, uh, failed that at the at the at the Show Me One Hundred, but he's won several other crown jewel events this year.
1: Bobby Pierce started thirteenth.
2: Ricky Thornton Jr. started twenty third. Yeah, you believe that? That that's and that racetrack. Hats off to the track prep at North South, uh, at the Florence Speedway in Kentucky, because all three nights had great racing. Yeah, no and, doubt. And they had to beat uh, some weather issues, uh, too. And but they they had a great racetrack down there.
1: So Kirk, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Heartland Park Topeka. I know that you went there yesterday, yes sir, and Friday night as well. I
2: was going over there Friday night.
1: Friday night, and you went yesterday. Yep. But yesterday. They were down on attendance because of the weather.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I drove over there, uh, and it was raining when I left Kansas City. I got over there about ten fifteen in the morning. The eliminations were scheduled to start at 11, and I knew then that uh, not only is it going to start late, we may not get it in at all because the, you looked at the forecast yeah. and the clouds around – It looked like it was rain set in for the day. So any kind of walk-up crowd they're going to expect at Heartland Motorsports Park, you can forget about that. Uh, But, you know, it it really hurt their crowd in attendance yesterday for sure. And on Friday and Saturday, it was just hotter
4: than hell. Oh, it was terrible. Friday's race, I had some friends that went, and they said... That was one of the hottest experiences that they'd had out there.
1: Did did you hear Kirk just say hell no. on air? So you know it means yeah. it was hot, right? Did, have you ever heard Kirk Elliott say probably, a cuss word on the air? Three times Hotter
2: than, than hell he said. Probably well, three, you can say it on this show. Yeah. yeah. 3
4: times in the yeah. series, history of me being with you guys. It years. was <laughs>
2: sticky hot. It was bad on Friday and Saturday and yesterday when the sun came out it turned sticky and hot. But they finally got things going about 3.30 in the afternoon, a little after 3.30 is when they uh, rolled the first top fuel cars down the racetrack. And there was still uh, a chance of rain later in the day. We're going to have to hustle to get it in. And some clouds started rolling in after they got the semifinals run. And I'm thinking, we're not going to see the finals of this thing. We're not going to be able to get it in. But guess what? They got it all in the final pass at 8:52 last night, Pro Stock was the last to go. 8:52, they got it in.
4: I was watching live, and I kept thinking, "Please don't, don't <laughs> cut my live feed to go to some other program that you had to have because it had been all day, right?" I mean, yeah, yep. And I was literally thinking, I, and I watched the whole, the whole final rounds of everything. It was right. I mean, It was really good races. Do,
1: Kirk, do you think some of the attendance issues? Because you were there on Friday night, did they have a big crowd on Friday night?
2: It was the biggest of the weekend. Was on Friday night.
1: How many people were there? You think uh, on Friday night?
2: Well, the the those grandstand seats, I estimate
1: about uh, twenty thousand.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe a little less than that. Uh, but I w- I would guess that there was probably five thousand people in the on the property.
1: And you th- you you said on Sunday there was only about five thousand people there, right?
2: At the most. I, there was not as big a crowd, I don't think, as there was yeah, on that, Friday night. A lot of people stayed but away on Sunday. Don't you,
1: don't you think, in your eyes, that this race is going to be bigger in Kansas City than it is in oh, Heartland Park? You know, the first,
2: I believe it will be. Yeah. Yeah. For the first
4: five years, it'll yeah. be tremendously big. It'll be because, because it's, it's new. new. Yeah. It's,
2: it's all new. The, the problem with Heartland Motorsports Park, and yeah, I agree with I, Kirk on I, this. I, I went to every one of the 39 national events that they held over there. I was credentialed and attended every one of those events. And from 1989 through about 2000, when they had the fall event in late September, huge crowds. Friday night through the weekend, they'd packed that place in for more than a dozen years. Yeah.
1: If I remember right, I. I remember somebody saying that there was twenty two thousand people there at, at one of their events. Twenty two thousand people. I wouldn't doubt it. And when we used to yeah. go
4: back then the parking, you park a country mile away. I mean, you, you used to take the uh, people would drop you off.
2: I mean you would one car
4: would right. park
1: and you'd pile yeah. into one car and we we used to take the motorhome up there. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So anyway, they had this date in late September. But when NASCAR came to Kansas Speedway in 2001, they had to move that date away from what the cup race was going to be on. So they moved it to Memorial Weekend. So from 2001 through 05 or 06, they had it on Memorial Weekend, which, you know, they still drew pretty decent crowds, made it a big deal because it was on Memorial Weekend, but not as big as what they had in the fall. And yeah. then they moved it to the middle of May. And there is there no worse race <laughs> weekend than like the second the weekend before yeah. Memorial Weekend right, because no you doubt. got graduations, you got all kinds of bad weather. The weather is the biggest thing. Well, that issue.
4: was the biggest deal. Out and there. so
2: the crowds tapered off then. Then they moved it to middle of June for a couple of years, but this move to the middle of August, the same weekend as the Knoxville Nationals, was hot. the worst yeah. moved yet as far as dates because there's a lot of people i know that go to knoxville from kansas city so, that like to go to both events but you know what if you're making them choose between those two events they're going to pick knoxville every time
4: kirk went because this is the last one out there you know what i mean right. it's, it's
1: literally well he he's goes, been to every one so he there, would usually
2: bounce
4: back and forth yeah. right he would go watch a couple a night at knoxville and then he'd make sure it he was, was at,
2: Let me tell you, it was so successful at Heartland Motorsports Park in the 90s that they had two events a year from 1993 through 1997. That was how... How successful Heartland Motorsports yep. was as far as attendance—that the they scheduled two events there for a five-year period and filled that place up. Kirk,
1: will it be and more? Summer? Will it be more successful in Kansas City?
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yep. I You're think gonna... it will, and and not only because of the newness, it's going to attract a lot of people just to check out the new yeah. racetrack.
4: And and it's going to pull from a little different demogra- not demographic, not demographic—from a different area, what I should say, because Topeka, you—I mean it. I think it's been lost on them because it's been there for so long, right? Like it's the people that are. There's not a lot of locals that go unless you're a giant race fan.
2: There's two things that really killed Heartland Motorsports Park. It was the The previous, taxes? The previous owners. Oh yeah. uh, Charged to park. Yeah. Jay Lindrum, wasn't it? The parking price. Uh, that, no, after Jay Lindrum. After Jay. Who the, was? The, I can't remember. Now. I can't. But remember. yeah, even the parking price name because they. I mean, they killed it with the parking. And that'll do it. The parking charges. And and not only that, just the overall negativity in the news about Heartland Motorsports Park and its future. And its taxes. Ruined any kind of buzz that they tried to create. And it got to the point where the Topeka community said, we just want the place gone. I mean, how else can you explain Shawnee County not working with the new owner Chris Payne on these property taxes. It's almost as though they're they're trying their best to run him out. Yeah. Run him out. Right. But, I mean, all to. of their actions have demonstrated to me that, that that they're trying to run him out of town. And
1: they're going to lose so much money. In the local economy up there.
2: Yeah, the sales tax revenue got, but the attendance has gotten so bad over the last two or three years. that say, well, you know, we're not getting much out of them anyway. Just let them go. Yeah, if you
4: look at the crowd, we're looking at like this side one here is pretty low, but the other uh, bleachers, they were pretty full. The ones down on the yeah. other end. I you, mean,
1: you know what what's going to happen is is that we've got five point five million people in this in the kansas city market right when yeah. when you count all the suburbs yeah. and everything yeah well, you've got more people more people
2: to draw from and to gonna,
1: draw from right, right here and and listen the excitement for kansas city international raceway to
2: come back it, it flying h drag strip is what it's called it's it's going to be the flying h yeah, flying H drag. They're strip. not calling it KCIR yeah. anymore. No, because Chris Payne sold the 150 acres to build the drag strip to Scott Higgs, so he's the actual owner of the drag strip. Why
1: wouldn't they call it Kansas City International Raceway?
2: We'd have to ask Scott Higgs about that. Who we're trying to we're get trying on to the get air. On. We're trying yep. to line him up for an interview. But but,
1: but don't you think it it would be fitting to call it Kansas City International well, that's Raceway? What they were
2: going to call it. That's what Chris Payne was going to call it. Had he constructed the racetrack but he but maybe
1: they're gonna call the, it the flying h yeah, maybe
4: flying chris h has the, the rights trip. to the name yeah. and he's not selling the rights to the name maybe it's but it, it could it, be copyrighted
2: but all the negativity around the the racetrack and all of the issues over the years just killed whatever buzz that they had over there and at one time the topeka community embraced that racetrack over there and it was very successful for a long time now it's to the point they just don't care anymore just go.
1: Well, I, I, I'm going to say this: that somebody needs to build a Kansas City International Raceway. Maybe it's an eighth-mile track.
2: Well, this is this is the if if that were That's to happen, a, they would happen before be, now. It's
1: going to be a quarter-mile track. Quarter-mile, yeah, right. and
2: with four thousand feet of, so it's going to have a long runoff. And I mean, they've got the track. You and I were out there to see it. The, the concrete pad's already laid down. They're right. finished. This track is almost done.
1: It's not almost done. They, well, don't, they, got they to, don't have the grandstands they got to build there.
2: the infrastructure around the you know, the tower and the grandstands and the pits and all that's got to be done. But the actual racetrack itself is pretty close to being Some done. Some of the
4: drivers that they interviewed during the – Kirk was at the track, so he probably didn't hear the drivers on – Right out of the cars, you know how they would get some, but a lot of those drivers, they were, you know, they were saddened to see that it was going to go away, just because.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of history there. There's, There's so much history. Of, that was there, what they all There is about. so much history in NHRA that's that's happened at Heartland Motorsports Park. And second, and we we remember the first ever four second seconds. Right run. Yeah, I saw the guy that that did the first ever 300 mile an hour run in a funny car last night. I got a soundlight yeah. from him too. Jim right. Epler was there last night. Is Driver Justin Ashley won the uh, Funny Car, but uh, all of the uh, memorable events that's taken place—not just the drag strip, but the the road course. You and I yeah. were, were to a lot of those road course events. Oh, Over there, we Dale went- Earnhardt showed up one time. And was charged him, went a- to the front, and then crashed the car. ASA the race. race. Yeah.
1: And, and remember, Larry Phillips did the same thing. Yeah. He crashed a car up there.
2: D- I- DW showed up the next year and won the ARCA race, That Daryl Waltrip. Right. What I heard the most concerning. I got a picture of me and Daryl yeah. Waltrip over there.
4: What I heard more people say is they hope that the new track will be as fast as the Kansas track. That's what, because people know when they would come to this track. That you could set some record times out here.
2: Oh, it was uh, the the racetrack itself at Heartland Motorsports Park is one of the best in the country. It's always smooth. Uh, it, it's a great racetrack. It just hopefully
1: you know, they'll do the same yeah, here out at uh, the Flying H. That's
4: I, what
2: I'm hoping. They. I make drove it. out of there last night after ten o'clock, and I'm thinking to myself, I'll probably never be back here again. Yeah, you might Look, not. I able. looked over there; the dirt track's gone. It's already gone. They already tore they it tore down. They tore it down. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's flat. And out. Uh, all of, all of the memories over the last thirty five years. Uh, I mean, it's just it's sad. Just and I drove out of there, kind of a tear in my eye, thinking I may never come back here again. You probably, won't go I, back I won't there. Go again. Back there again. Uh, you probably won't be into. And so, is there any reason to even go to Topeka again for a race fan? Remember, we had Thunderhill. Speedway north of Topeka, we had the dirt track at Heartland. We used to go there a lot to cover races. Now there wouldn't there be any reason to go to Topeka at all except to just drive through on your way to Belleville.
1: Do you remember that time we went up there and we drove those little Volkswagen cars around the road course? Yeah. And they had a, 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 a driver ride with you. Yep. And my particular driver told me, he says, man, if you go another lap, I'm going to get sick. <laughs>
2: yeah, I remember you that. remember that? Yeah,
1: because uh, I was just throwing that car everywhere. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: And they built all these new buildings out there for the runoffs. That they had only two years out there. They they made all this investment and these garages. They built this new scoring tower building and all of these things. And they only had the runoffs out there two years.
1: So uh, I I just got to say that Cole said that. A.J. Foyt might have been the best driver. He just yeah. said A.J. Foyt. Listen, A.J. Foyt won his first midget race right here in Kansas City, yep. 1957. Olympic Stadium. Olympic Stadium. Yep. He and, won. He won his first midget race ever right here in Kansas City.
2: And he's one of only two drivers to win both the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500. The other one? Right. Mario Andretti. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I've got some sound from uh, Heartland. Uh, I'm going to start off with Erica Enders. She is the five-time pro stock champion going for six titles. She made the final run down the racetrack last night. And uh, as it turns out, she's the final winner and the final pass ever at the racetrack. And talks about her uh, winning an important race as it's just two races to the countdown uh, to go for her sixth championship.
12: It's been long and hot and wet and dry and hot. It's uh, it's always a challenge when you're having to get up and then you have a break and you're having to get out of your car and re-get your mentality together and just try to be strong as you can. When there's a lot of distractions and then physically you're not comfortable because you're just so hot and you're sweating and everything's sticky and gross. But um, you know we've, we've faced a lot of days like this and today was just a great day. Coming in um, we felt like we struggled, right? Yeah, we were number four qualifier, but my car wasn't as running as great as some of my teammates, and we certainly weren't running as good as, uh, as the other guys. So um, we knew we had our work cut out for us today. I looked at the ladder first thing this morning, and it was stout, right? Chris McGaha, Iron Stanfield, Dallas Glenn, Greg Anderson. So it, uh, it was pretty cool that I had to battle everybody from a different team this time, you know, except for Aaron, so that was uh, that was pretty exciting for us. The
2: timing seems really critical here, going for your sixth championship. To get this win now, just how big is that?
12: <laughs> I think I heard Reinhardt or Lones or somebody say that the countdown starts here for, for us and Team Elite, and that's certainly something that we talked about, you know, uh, we don't dwell on the points because they'll count themselves and you stand where you stand at the end. But um, these three races, including Topeka, Topeka, Brainerd, and Indy um, set the tone for what position we go in in the countdown. And just, uh, just prior to Bristol, I was 15th in points um, after a really crappy start to the season. And we clawed our way up to six and I think we made up some pretty great groundwork. So I said on the airplane over here that our, our goal was to go in the countdown in the number two slot, tall order, but we can do it.
2: Well, she beat the best the sport had to offer, big challengers. Of course, she's one of the best now, but five-time champion Greg Anderson in the final, and that was after pulling a .009 light on the best lever in the in the category, Dallas Glenn, in the semifinal. So she stepped up and beat the best that uh, what there was to uh, pull off uh, another win last night. She's really good at what she does, I'll tell you, tell you she, that. She's the best. Yep. No doubt about it. Let's hear from Bob Tasca the third. His Ford driver. He goes back to back in the funny car category after doing it last year. He comes out and does it again and had to overcome some problems to get it done.
15: It was just something special, you know, and then you know a lot of great memories here winning last year and then to hear that, you know, this potentially, if not is the last race that we ever run here. You know, it's bittersweet, you know, you want to win it and be the defending champ in perpetuity. But at the same time, we want to come back next year. So uh, it was a hard-fought day. I tell you, give all the credit to the guys. I tell you, it was, um, I don't know, like every time we warmed up the car, there was something wrong. Like from a fuel leak to couldn't get the the diaper on one run. It's like, oh, my God, we're going to miss the race because we can't get the diaper on. And they just fought through it. And, you know, we car shut off in the first round, car shut off in the second round, car shut off in the third round. And we were struggling with um, putting cylinders out and having the safety box shut the car off. And I just said to these guys, I mean, look at the incrementals. I mean, you could see the car was trying to run, you know, ridiculous ETs. And I said, we need all eight this run to to beat Hagen. And uh, we had all eight. And that run was a monster run. And I think that's what is different about this team from any team I've been on. I've never been able to do that. I've never had the car that could just step up and just say, sorry, see you next race, when the conditions are like what we saw, right? <clears throat> and this team, you know, led by Aaron Brooks and Todd Kahara, there's a different attitude from anything I've been around, and, and you've seen it all year long. I thought the big moment
2: for uh, Tasca is when he beat Robert Height, the number one qualifier, in the semifinal round, and uh, and just pulling it off and finishing it off when it's all said and done. Justin, Ashley is the man in top fuel this year. He wins his sixth in the top fuel category and extends his points lead. And uh, he talks about uh, his dad winning back in 2007 in Funny Car, and he gets it done for the first time at Heartland Motorsports
15: Park, the final top fuel run. Well, I think just, uh, just stay in focused, right, especially with the layoff. Um, it's hard enough to stay focused throughout the day on a normal race day, but we really didn't know what today was going to bring in. Um, you know every driver, every team was under the same circumstances, so we understood that. But um, with conditions changing, not knowing when and if we were going to get a racing, um, you know let alone four rounds today, um, which really speaks volumes of the safety far, to be honest with you, um, was probably the biggest challenge of all, but you know you got a lot of confidence as a driver.
2: It was really a tough weekend for all these competitors, especially yeah. yesterday, dealing with all the changing weather conditions. It was cool. It was raining. Not knowing when you're going to run. When the sun came out, it turned hot. Then the sun, uh, the clouds came back in. It cooled off, and so uh, these all these competitors had to deal with a lot of a lot of changes in the weather conditions. Brian
1: Cook said. Um this area is losing a fantastic road course. My brother races SCCA and he's heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I, that's another
2: so aspect. I talked
4: to more than one I, motorcycle driver as well that's you know, it's heartbreaking. Upset. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 a place that but, they but call But there's a
2: new road course down in the Lake of the Ozarks, right? Yeah, you've been down to that? I haven't, I haven't been there yet. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, I love that road course over there. I, you know, the the fun part is when they brought the motorcycles over there and ran. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, it's
4: it's one of the staples. I mean, if you talk to the motorcycle crowd, that are I mean that Heartland Park, they look forward to that race when they're and they have open track, you know, open runs and everything for their, you know that play. They used to use that track for a lot more than just. Racing, it was booked a lot during the week, too, so I I don't know what's going to happen. And
2: we attended all of the major events that they ever had over there, from the Trans Am races before they even opened up the drag strip, the ARCA races with Dale Earnhardt and all the big NASCAR stuff, the truck races. They had... They had the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races out there from the first year. They started that series for the first four years. Remember right. those events? They built a temporary dirt track on the facility. Had the world of outlaws out there one time. And I uh, think the, that uh, wasn't a very good
1: cars. race. It though, wasn't Kurt. a
2: very good race because the track was too narrow. Uh,
1: Sammy and Steve got into it. Remember that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Johnny Herrera won one of the features out there he as did. I He did.
1: Yeah, he did. And, um, so. Chris, my, my neighbor up the street, he says there is talk of someone that is hopefully putting in another dirt track in Topeka somewhere.
2: Well, they need one because I always thought Topeka was a great dirt racing town. Why Why
1: don't they just reopen Mayetta?
2: Because I think the Indians have that, do, do they not? Is that on but, Indian uh, reservation? Listen,
1: I saw a shot, a sky shot the other day. And that racetrack's just sitting there, rotting away, really? and it's still got
2: the grandstands there. And you know the the best part about the location of that is pretty close to that casino up there, just up the up the road. I know it. Why wouldn't they just bring back Mayetta? I would love it. That was a great racetrack, high bank, fast. Saw a fast lot of racetrack. Yeah,
1: that was a fast.
2: Yeah, I mean to think that Topeka doesn't have any racetracks anymore. Little, uh, um, th- and it was always a great racing town you had the old fairgrounds you had the Topeka Raceway you had uh, Shawnee Shawnee the du- the the dirt track at Heartland Park all of that gone no is- race tracks at all in the city of Topeka all they have left Topeka is Topeka fairgrounds gone yeah
1: right
4: they have the little tiny um midget what do they call the what's the they
1: got the the pavement
4: it's a pavement uh, it's a full-on facility out there. It's really nice. It's and really I, nice. I shot video out there, and I think uh, who were the, what were the photographers that used to shoot the photography for Lakeside back in? their brothers, and
1: um, the gosh, the was, Jones the brothers, the Reed brothers, Reed brothers. That was, yeah. who it was. And brothers, one of the Reed boys. brothers
4: still shoots out yeah. there. You and, know, and it, they they race out there. in pretty good crowds too. I took, I so. took
1: my daughter out there, and she got to test drive one of those quarter midgets uh-huh. out there. And she drove it around, but she, her head was too tall,
4: <laughs> sticking yeah. out. Of the so top. they still got that racetrack. Yeah, that's they, there. They, it still was, they still have that, that. Yep, yeah. I was there two years. Just last, Zach had a baseball uh, tournament in between games. I went for a drive, and all of a sudden, I heard noise. And I thought, well, that sounds like I don't know, that sounds like racing, maybe to me. And then I heard people talking. All and I was like, well, that is racing. So I, I, like I said, it's still there, and it's a very nice facility. And I and I would encourage anybody if you have a young a youngster, take them out there, man, because it's a really—the it, whole the whole ground's right there. It's, it's not far from the Heartland Motorsports not, Park Not now, far just at right all. right up Topeka yeah, Boulevard. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And now the, the Evil Knievel Museum, it's, it's gone now, too, it's right? It's going to be leaving. They're moving
4: that to Vegas, aren't they? Absolutely. I think—I don't know if this—August is the last month, or September, or July was the last month, but yes— um, Picking up and pulling up shop and moving it to, uh, to Vegas.
2: But here's what's ironic. Topeka's losing out on a lot of yeah. stuff right now. Yep. Here's what's ironic about all of this is uh, we saw I-70 grounds uh, shuttered and dilapidated for 15 years. They and now, now, now the thing. Around. Ten okay. years.
1: It was about ten, ten years. Ten
2: years. And now it it's come back. With the, the new dirt track and now the drag strip and the NHRA, did you ever imagine that we'd see an NHRA national event on the grounds of the old I-70 Speedway?
1: Never. But uh, let me just say this. Chris Payne has done a good job yeah. at trying to bring back that facility. The only problem that I have with the with that place, with that facility, is the dirt track is too big. Yes. It's too big. Yep.
2: That they need to they go need back. They need to shorten in.
1: that up a little bit.
2: I would suggest that they go in and do that over again. Because what and, they and, need to do, Kirk, is make it like Eagle. Yeah, that would be perfect. Perfect. Uh, that track is way too big, and I too think fast. it's hurt- it's hurting them right now. It's a great facility. The grandstands, all of the uh Great amenities. Great amenities. They need to redo that racetrack. This is and if they do then. that that place will thrive trust me on this if they do the racetrack right that facility will thrive this is Uh, from uh,
4: 2019 this video just so you know i mean we're not talking ancient this
1: This is this is when it was dilapidated yep and this is when they broke
4: the ground right here so we're looking at the video when they broke ground in 2019 and started
2: there's the drag strip right there yep and you scott trailer have a lot of history at i-70 speedway you go back a let, long way. Let,
1: let me just say this: I seventy Speedway was my favorite racetrack of all time. Just so you know, yeah, I was there on opening day, the first day that it opened up. I was I went out there with uh, my dad, and I just love that racetrack more than any racetrack. I, I and but to be fair. Riverside was one of my favorite racetracks as well.
2: And it's gone.
1: And it's gone. It was gone in 1988. And the old King's, Lakeside Speedway was gone in 1988. So I, remember,
2: here's the, I, me- I remember going to races at the old Lakeside Speedway. So we're going to look
4: at some video right here of when it was in pretty bad shape. So this is uh you can pull this video it up on It looks on a lot
2: better now, that's <laughs> for sure.
4: <laughs> yeah, wait until you see some of this. Uh, like I said, here's here's a shot of – what it looked like just not just too long ago. Chris,
2: before Chris Payne, absolutely, but this the
4: isn't property. we're not talking a long Holy time ago. Sh- this-
1: Holy cow, man. That 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 to be honest That's with sickening. you This is painful for me to watch. Yeah.
4: I haven't played this video for Scott probably since the last time he said he can't watch it. But I play it, in it, it because it, it, I know that it's up and going again and it, so it's not like well it's Well the hurtful.
2: McDonalds just walked out. They just left it. They just well it's, they oh. they
1: just let it sit there until somebody come along and bought it. Yeah, from I mean, them. Look yeah. at
2: the
4: trees and the overgrowth. Oh my amazing. God, that is
1: just so painful to watch. And all my, I've got a lot of history at yeah. that racetrack. Yeah,
4: there we go. There's an overhead shot. I
1: mean, I it is sad. I've been fast qualifier out there. I've held the track record out there in my super truck, and um, it, it, that's just so painful for me to watch that that video right there. Trees growing up around the wall, was it trees in the infield. Yeah, they had eight.
2: The, was it 2008 they had the last race out there? Seven, really? I Seven. believe it was. Now, the KCIR, the drag strip, the last race was 2011 there. And that's another sad story because the city wanted to build a park <laughs> on the site of the old KCIR. And guess what's yeah. there now? Just a lot of empty space. That
4: was... Um...
2: They got, they they, know, they built some p- paths da- well, the paths down. Well, the neighbors were complaining, out. and those neighbors have now moved out, right? Yeah, they're not. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're even not there even anymore.
1: there anymore.
4: So we're looking at an old old video, of the old KCI or a raceway. I mean, this is this goes back to the beginning here.
2: A lot of drag racing history at uh, in Kansas City because uh, the second ev- ever national event was held in Kansas City at a at a drag strip. Up by I think it was up by Olympic Stadium, if I'm not recalled. In nineteen fifty six, the second ever US nationals was held there. And KCIR was open from nineteen sixty seven through twenty eleven and they brought in nitro cars, match Here races. I remember my first ever drag race that I ever saw was at KCIR. And when Don Garlits showed up with the swamp rat That's in nineteen eighty six. There and, it is.
1: There's some recent video yeah. right there and
2: that. and John Force that's what I first saw John Force was at the old KCIR.
1: Well, I saw Sh- Shirley Moadoney, yep, and Don Garlits run a match race there. Yep. And then at the end of the track, they started the cars up and drove them back to the finish line. Wow. This, that wasn't there for that, yeah. this that. is
4: my this is what I remember KCIR being more like because it
2: it was open to anybody who had a car. And it was a great location because it it was easy for people to get to.
1: Absolutely. What it was, the best thing about KCIR was the Wednesday night.
4: Yeah, Wednesday night grudge match. Grudge night. And then you had high school drags once a year with all the high school. See, it's a different story. And I don't blame kids because cars are different now. And there's not a lot of.
2: Well, they're still racing out there on the street. Uh,
1: hopefully, I ho- hopefully they'll bring back that tradition yeah. of grudge night out at the new racetrack.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And people like high school
4: drags, the high school drags was a big deal. Like you, the line to get in at the high school drags would be all the way out onto the road out there. And it was a big damn deal to go out there and represent your high school. I mean, we were from Piper. We were a tiny little school in Kansas, for Christ's sake.
1: You'll probably take your car out there, won't you Uh, Tom?
4: I might not have it by then, you know. I don't know if I'll have it much longer. I'll probably tear it up out there. But I remember driving my my GT that I had out there and broke the T-tops out of it because I'd never raced on a professional drag strip, right? And I had no idea the amount of grip that I would get.
1: Well, let me let, me let me let me just tell you car. this. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking about getting me a drag car.
4: Well, like I said, we're looking at a lot of photos, and this is what this is what Kansas City. This is this was Kansas City racing. I mean, everybody had these stickers in their car, in your street car. This was just part of, and it, it's just not happening as much. Like I like I said, I don't blame the kids as much. It's tough to work on cars now. It's not like it used to be. Well,
1: it, it, that's. That's the problem in society right now because we see it on the dirt tracks as well. There's a lot of gray-haired people yeah. up in the grandstands, and and when we were young, we could work on our own car. Yeah,
4: you can't do it now. You
1: can't do it now. I mean, even you got to have a computer
2: yeah, to do it.
4: Even guys that are auto mechanically inclined. Can't work on a car unless you have the computer to hook it up to, right? Yeah, like right. the days
2: of the old shade tree mechanic. That yeah. that that's gone.
4: And the problem with that is, guys, also let me get the phone.
1: All right. Todd's answering the phone right now. What
2: do you think, Kirk? He just stopped mid sentence, didn't he? He did. Gotta answer the phone. Gotta answer the phone. We got a caller calling in. Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean the times are changed. You can't work on cars like you used to. I mean, you just uh, yeah. and and that's nobody's fault. You used to be just, able to tap yeah, on is. the
1: carburetor to get the floats to work or
2: whatever, yeah. run the valves yourself. You can can't do, do that all that, that stuff.
1: You can't do that stuff anymore. No,
2: and uh, it's just a different world. And and kids today are living in a different world than when we grew up in. Yeah, you know, we, you and I, we cherished the cars people were driving. We, right. We, you know, that was a big deal to everybody. You know, uh, muscle cars. Back then. Kids kids today don't care as much about that. Yeah. They got other things going on. So it's just a hot rotting and the hot rotters. Who do we got, all Tom? Of that is just not a Well, big we, deal we with
4: definitely the started talking about stuff and missed our commercial. So we're gonna I mean we're already at two o'clock, guys.
1: Well, I know it. I know so it. we're
4: gonna go to Trenton Barry's running a little late. We're just gonna keep him here for just a little bit. We're gonna get the update from him. Trenton's on the line right now, and then we'll just wrap this show up. Like I said, we didn't I had no idea we were at two. 05 already. We've got we a
2: lot to talk about. We went past uh,
4: everything, right. so
1: let's bring Trenton Berry on. All right, let's uh, bring Trenton Berry on from RacingDirt.com. Trenton, how you doing, bud? Hey, good. We How's almost forgot everything. With you guys, we almost forgot about you today.
0: Well, it's no big deal. If you- <laughs> Trust me, if you're uh, if you're third and long and you're going to have to punt for fourth down, I'm, I'm good with
2: it. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, That's what, what do you say. think of the Chiefs preseason game the other night? Or yesterday i guess oh
0: man yeah so i uh I, I mean it doesn't really it doesn't really matter that they lost on a field goal at the end i guess you you'd like to win it just for to say you won the game but um i mean they played four quarterbacks and uh you know it was uh it, it was good to watch football again it, it really was uh i was pretty impressed with Bouchel. um even prior to his little his little juke move touchdown pass, that was just kind of the icing Absolutely. on the cake. I've got kind of a white hot take. I think you know, Andy always likes these uh, veteran quarterbacks for the backup and that's that's always kinda of been his MO. I'm I, I think Bouchel has probably twice the talent of Blaine Gabbard. If you're gonna get in a situation that Mahomes I'm with you. And can't I'm, play this year. I agree. Man, I, I think I think I think Bouchel's the guy, so I don't really know if that's if that's a mess, or if it's not, or if it's it's what I don't. I mean, obviously, hey, you go against one of the greatest coaches of all time, but I just don't see if, if somebody besides Patrick has to see the field. I don't. I don't quite understand how it's probably not Michelle this year. But anyway, that, uh, that was pretty interesting. I will say. I will say. Hey, by far and away for me, guys, my uh, my my mentor, my friend uh, Art Haynes, back on the Chiefs Network yesterday was by far yes. my. My biggest takeaway uh, from the game, he, um, he he did it from his room in his rehab facility where he's, oh, cool. he's continuing to get physical therapy, and um, man, he's he's making huge strides. I uh, I texted him a little bit yesterday and a little bit this morning, and uh, I think I'm going to get a chance to go help him on one of these these future weeks, um, just kind of kind of help with some things that he he might need for uh notes and information and, and whatnot uh on, on a couple of these Chiefs games coming up. So uh man that, that guy gave me he gave me my start in this industry and I'd I literally do anything in the world to help him and um so I, I think I'm gonna get a chance to do that in a few weeks. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh to, to being of assistance to him. Gotcha. So he, he he did a, he did a tremendous job yesterday. And yeah. When when I tell you guys he, he's been to hell and back and he was so close to losing his life um, over this West mile virus I mean it was guys it was probably there there was a day right there um, I, I'm not a doctor but he was probably within hours
4: wow um, if,
0: if they did not if they did not get him to the uh, University of Kansas hospital um, when when they got him and they got him there because the chiefs made it happen so um, they, they he was not going to be able to get to get life lighted from uh, from Springfield to, to there without the help of the Chiefs. And so uh, big, 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 big shout-out to what they did. Well, so, it's pretty, pretty remarkable, guys. I, I, the, the football game for me yesterday was secondary, but it was so good that it yeah. all came out.
4: I listened to the pre-race, I mean the pre-race, the pre-game show. Um, I turned the TV uh-huh. off just for that reason, turned on 106.5 just so I could listen to the – because when you said yep. he was going to be on there, and it was and it was awesome to hear him hear his voice back on there. Again. Well, we hadn't
2: heard his voice for a couple of years. I mean, just to hear oh. his voice again on the Chiefs broadcast, everything's right now.
0: And it was it was um, that was the first time. So he he's done a few uh, just radio segments, you know, via the phone um, from from his uh, facility where he's at right here in town. Um, but that was the first kind of extended broadcasting that he had done, and it's just. Just remarkable. Yeah, it was so great. it sounded um, good. I had a chance to go. I had a chance to go see him the other day. He's in really good spirits. So for me, that was that that was was everything yesterday. And so the you know the network will do like three hours pregame once the regular season starts. So yeah. there'll be a whole lot more there. You know once they get rolling with uh, opening night and so on through the rest of the regular season. But that was that was kind of my takeaway. Boy, we we miss Chris Jones. I, don't, I I'm not sure that we shouldn't maybe trade him. I don't. I don't really know what the right answer is there. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. But
1: uh, you don't yeah, think he's coming I, back? I I, I. I don't think they're going to trade him. Loaded. I don't think they're going to trade him. To be honest with you. Yeah,
0: and they might. They might not. I, don't I know. know. I. You know, S- Sneed's coming up here, and uh, there's another one. And if they sign Jones, there's no way they're going to be able to keep him uh so I, I forget who that there's there's one other defender coming up there anyway. It, it it's it's kinda of either or is what it looks like. I'm not Would you rather I'm not so sure that that I'm not so sure that they might not ought to take a look at the sending him down the line. Hey, I w- do would, would you rather have but, Sneed over
1: uh Jones? Would you rather have Snead over yeah, Jones?
0: I I think at this point in the career I would. Yeah. Because he's yeah, younger. I do. I, I do.
4: Yep. I, I about bringing
2: I, I think,
1: in a Dominic Su. I think upside for... better. What about a Dominic Su? Because
0: you think they
2: should yeah. bring him in? He it seems like he's been around well, forever.
0: Just, just, just some young guy. I mean, they had they had some three hundred forty five pounder playing yesterday. That just he just pancaked them up the middle. I I don't know that Jones' spot is a position that you have to have a star. I I think a lot of players can excel right there. Uh, granted, Jones is one of the best that's ever done, and I man i just I don't know that that's a spot you pay elite money well yeah, you can't when you're set up like the chiefs i don't i just i just don't i i think if he would have taken a Kelsey type contract, you look at it yeah but i i don't i don't I don't think we're looking to reset reset and and uh get get where the markets are on the spot like that so yeah, have, and that's no shot at chris Jones man hey your window's too short. If you got a chance to get your money, by all means, you won two Super Bowls, but go get paid.
2: I have every confidence the Chiefs will make the right decision concerning uh, Chris Jones. Yeah,
0: and what, what whatever they do, that it's not like the not like Beach is going to wake up and go, God, how can I screw this up?
2: You know, right.
0: he'll, <laughs> he'll he'll make, he'll make his best decision, and we'll just live with it at that point. I I think if if anything, they've shown they they deserve our trust and our grace. And not everything's going to be right, but they're going to get a whole lot more right than they're going to get wrong.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: Um, so uh,
1: this this was a tough weekend for uh, for the guys around here at uh, at Racing Boys. Um, Heartland Park Topeka is no longer. Yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's sad, man. It's um, a lot of history out there. It was an awful, awful, uh, awfully big part of. American Motorsports be, beyond Topeka, beyond Kansas city, beyond the two States and the region. I mean, it was, uh, nationally known and revered and,
2: um, just, uh, tough to see that happen. I'm, I, I'm convinced that uh, scenario I'm convinced Trenton, that the city of Topeka and the County over there, they want that place gone or otherwise they wouldn't be doing what they're yeah. doing.
0: And that, that very well, that very well could be the case. I mean, that's, it seems uh seems like you have someone there that's uh willing and trying and just wants to be treated fair that I mean, it's kind of a kind of right and wrong and, and uh, you know, if uh if they don't want then I guess that's their their prerogative. But it it sucks. It sucks when the bureaucracy gets in the way of the sport. You know. Yeah. It's it's happened a bunch over the years unfortunately and this won't be the last, I'm sure. But uh yeah. Yeah, you hate, hate, hate to see those institutions go. I, I know they had gotten rid of that uh, dirt track even a few years ago. And I know that was never the, the focal point of that the place was centered around the drag strip. But um, I, I thought it was an incredibly good dirt track too. You know, it's was a shame to see it go before all the rest of it. Was, well, I I, I think uh, that tough, tough for Topeka losing Mayetta too. You know, there's not not a whole lot uh, not, not a whole lot left there without everybody. Uh, Everybody pulling somewhere
1: to go race now. Hey, you know, I saw a sky picture of of Mayetta the other day. The track is still yep. there and the grandstands are still there. I don't know why the, the casino doesn't allow somebody to go in there and open that up. You would think that would be good yep. for business at the uh, casino.
0: Now, I talk to uh, – so I see Darren Fuquay about every weekend now. He's one of our, our guys out on the road full-time. and I asked him just the other day about it, and um, he said to his knowledge there was no way he be able to race. In the, um, a lot of the facility, and I haven't seen any sort of current pictures, so I'm, I'm just literally just regurgitating what, what he told me, but said a lot of the facility and structure is, is gone there uh, to, to be able to. But he basically said it was in such a state of disrepair for it to happen again it would be almost uh, unheard
1: of. Hey, hey, listen. If they could reopen I seventy Speedway, they could reopen Mayetta.
0: Guarantee it. If they can reopen I seventy, there's not a place in the country that can't be reopened. That's right.
2: Big, de- big, no big difference. Big difference uh, Mayetta's on an Indian reservation.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think the uh, people on that Prairie Brand Casino, uh, the, the natives, I believe, on that. That's what okay. I was told.
1: Yep. So, hey, hey, Trenton. So anyway. this this weekend, you guys are at Mason City Motors Motor Speedway uh, with the USMTS. That's yep. going to be a three day show this
2: weekend. Big right? Big money on the line there, Trenton. Four.
0: Four. So this one, this one's this one's different, and it is big money. It's huge money. Uh, actually, Todd uh, Steely, he called me last night just to talk a little bit, which was, was nice. I, I I enjoyed it. But uh, uh, so Wednesday, Thursday qualifying, Friday's a Mulligan night um Saturday's the is the money and it's 25,000 to win 2,500 to start. Um, there's several fan drawings for people that sponsored laps. Uh, there's one $25,000 drawing for for fans. There's uh, I believe there's five 2,500 to win prizes nightly or at least two of the three nights, I believe. I don't I don't know the exact uh, specifics on that, but the crazy part about this purse and why this purse is so expensive is 25,000 to win 2,500 to start, but you know, a lot of those purses go to start money at twelfth or fourteenth place or in that area. So this one, this one staggers all the way to last place, and they're starting, they're starting three wide, uh, thirty-three cars, I believe, eleven rows deep in the main. So it's a ton of money. Todd told me that it is the it is the single uh, richest purse, top to bottom, entire event. Uh, of any event, his entire career that he's ever promoted is coming up this weekend. Starts wow. Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I, I just realized that that was so, the 16th, the 16th, 17th, 18th. Is is that right? And 19th. And 19th.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I believe I'm not sure. I think they might be practicing on Tuesday night. I don't. We're, so we're not leaving till Wednesday morning. We're we're going on race day. We can. We can make this and set up uh, Mason City as far as we can go on a on a one day where we don't leave the day before. Uh, so we're going to get up real early Wednesday and and drive it and race that night. So, but I I believe they're practicing Tuesday.
1: Right, and uh, Elk City Speedway OCRS this weekend as well, right?
0: Yep, yep. Going to Elk City out there. Long that's a long ways <laughs> to Elk City, Oklahoma, but. Uh, they're, uh, they're they're rolling with that place too. So um, yeah, we're uh, I, I I didn't have a whole lot this last weekend. I I sat in my basement. I'll be honest with you. I sat in my basement Saturday night and uh, watched the Knoxville Nationals all, all all of it the entire night Saturday. So
2: I, uh, I I enjoyed being able to do that. I don't get to be home on Saturday nights this time did, of year. So that you was, also that was sure enjoyable? Did you also watch the North South 100?
0: Well, else I flipped over there for a minute, and they were they were rolling that track in, and uh, once once they got rolling with Knoxville, I just I just stuck over on on it. But I, yeah, I caught the north south for just a second there.
1: Yep. Well, let let me just say this: I'm 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 always a big fan of Mike Marler, and he he picked, yeah. he picked up that twenty thousand dollars to win.
2: At uh yeah. that that yeah. was a different race than the. North South 100, but he also I, won. I a, know it. That was the deep fried yeah, 75. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh early. yeah, Marlar. But he backed that up Marler, with a preliminary yeah. win at Florence on Thursday night. That was at yeah. Duck River Raceway Park. Yeah, yeah. But he he ran well, well in the prelims uh, it, on Thursday night at Florence.
0: It's a it's a busy weekend all around, and that that Florence, you know, they've they've swelled that thing up. It's 75,000 to win now. Uh, used used to be 50. When uh, hundred and well, what Knox, Knoxville's one hundred eighty five thousand this year? Yeah, it? it was. Hey,
1: what would you think about Kyle yeah. Larson picking up that win?
0: Oh, uh, just you know, that's just to be expected. I think at this point, isn't it? I uh, I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all. I was I was maybe if you're going to say was a surprise about anything, just how dominant he was the entire way. And you know, they talked about on the broadcast a lot about how the the stop in the middle of the race usually. Was a chance for everybody to reset, and they didn't usually lead both halves. And um, he was the class of the field, and that one was pretty, pretty uh, evident Saturday. I thought. I think Kirk and I both believe that
1: Rico had a shot before he had that flat tire.
0: Yeah, yeah, he very, very well could have before he had the flat. I think, I think so. Would Something you... about Rico and those flats, man. These big races, what's going on there? Well, l- let's be
1: honest with you. We have a tire issue with the Hoosier tire right now. The the Hoosier tire That's they're trying right. to run right now is blowing out. How many times did we see a tire blow out this weekend, Kirk?
2: Several, too many to count. Too many
1: to count, really.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, Were were you guys up there Saturday? I
2: I was there Saturday. I was there Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. I I I came back for the drag so. races over the weekend.
0: Hey, so what uh they talked a little bit about the crowd on, on Dirt Vision. Scott, was it – I mean, did, did it, do you recall it being any bigger than anything you'd ever seen before or about it, normal or just kind of what, what was your opinion of the crowd?
1: It was massive. In fact, yeah, they sold out the pits. They wouldn't allow anybody to buy any more pit passes That's in first the first time
2: that's happened. But
1: well, I what they did is they allowed 500 tickets to fans to come down into the infield. And let me tell you something okay the infield was so packed full of people it 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 was unbelievable how many people were down in the infield yeah. on saturday night it was crazy did you,
0: did you did you watch did you watch from the infield saturday yeah
1: i did i i i stood down there and watched from the infield yep
0: man it looked so it looked to me like and i i didn't know i didn't realize that the haulers didn't get to be in the infield for this but it looks to me like is could you was there anywhere you could get where you could see the entire racetrack from the infield could you ever get high enough
1: um I stood down in turn one and watched the race okay f- from
2: the grandstands down there in turns turn number one if you stand up at the top top row of the grandstands they've got down there you can see the whole track right with the no hollers in the infield. okay
0: but the, i I was just curious you know how how the, the place laid i'm not you know, been there a couple of times, so I'm not super familiar with it, so i just Few things I just was curious about while I was watching it on TV. Well, just so you know,
1: that, that they have um, big screen monitors on each end of the racetrack, and so you can watch the race. If you can't see the okay. entire track, you can look up at the the video board and watch the race. I got you. Yeah. I got you. But every
2: seat was that's filled. Cool. What is that? Twenty some thousand people.
1: Yeah. That that Man, was that's awesome. That was the biggest crowd I've ever seen there at Knoxville.
0: What a what a what a great deal for uh, for race and the you know, the thing just it just continues to set the standards, so that's 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 terrific. Yeah, and I hated I hated to see I hated to see Matt Covington's flip there early on. I I thought a bunch about him here lately, but it looks like the reports are pretty good. So
1: Yeah, he he's doing okay.
0: I hated to see that.
1: Man, it was scary because Scotty and I went down there to watch him take him out of the car. They had to cut that roll cage off that car get a backboard in there Man. and bring him up out of the car
2: and it turns out that he's okay yeah glad to hear that yeah that's awesome that, and that and cody glad, island and, and also honestly, got carted to the hospital and i guess honestly
0: i'm glad i'm glad i didn't i didn't see that on my tv as well you know so that dirt vision did a, a good job handling that as well that that's kind of a touch well, and go there um, as, but as They did a good job
1: as you know my pet peeve is when somebody leaves a camera
0: on a wreck
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't do it. Well, Dirt Vision did a good job of doing doing all of what you talk about, Scott. Boy, they
0: did. They, they did. did, and you know their 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 broadcast was so so Thank good. I mean, they they just they they did a terrific job on the Nationals. I I really I very much enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't think there was one thing I missed by not not being there. Um, they 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 did terrific.
2: And that's uh, does that help you as uh, producing these? Uh, you know, being on your side to look at other broadcasts 100%. and and just kind of, you you pick up things as a fan. It helps to be a fan once in a while, so you can help your own broadcast, right?
0: Well, it does. So it does. Not only camera angles and colors and shots, but you know, on my side, you know, they had three pit reporters there for for the nationals and. You know, how, how does that interaction go? And what, what are the times they go to the guy in the infield? And, you know, what, what is it that those guys are saying? Um, I know, you know, you guys have Chase Rodman on usually every week here along with me. And I, I think Chase just does a fantastic job. I've, He's, I really enjoy um, watching and listening to what he has to say. And I like his demeanor and um, how he goes about his work. And he, he did a terrific job there. Uh, Saturday, along with the other the other two guys. So it, yeah, it, I, I it it helps in all facets for sure. There's no no question about it. In, in my eyes,
1: I think Chase Rodman is the best pit reporter in the business because he's so studious and he knows so much about the sport, and and he he, he just flows with information.
2: Well, you can tell when somebody yeah. preps, yeah, for what they do, can't you, uh, Trenton? You can tell when somebody sure. does their homework.
1: Uh, I, I'm not. Sure. I'm not taking. And I think I'm not taking anything away from Scotty Cook because you know he's my brother, but I'm just saying sure. that Chase is just so studious at what he does. He's just so good at what he does. You know
0: the other the other the other one that doesn't do it a whole lot, um, but but handles the infield at the dome and a few other races, and I'm just so impressed with his versatility, Blake Anderson. And uh, I got to become really good friends with Blake, and you know, but so through the majority of the year, Blake's calling laps for the All Stars, so he's yeah. not in that role. But when he he needs to shift to that for a few events a year, he um, he's he's as good as anybody yeah. too, and and been in DJR as well, even though they don't do it a whole lot anymore, so.
2: Yeah, I talked to uh, Blake up there at Knoxville. The other, You know, even though he's a Hawkeye fan, we won't hold that against him. Yeah. But uh, he's a good guy. I love him. Hey, hey, did you know that Chris Krug is going to
1: be – this is his last year doing the uh, broadcasting up there at Knoxville? Did you know Uh, that?
0: I heard that. I heard that. They're going to have some pretty big shoes to fill. He's he's really good, really good, really knowledgeable, uh, presents info well. Um, does a good job adding to the program. So, yeah, I I did hear that.
2: They picked up a young guy, Blake Walker, who I think is doing a great job up there. I don't know if they'll move him up in the tower or they'll keep him in the pits, but I think he's done a great job this year.
0: Yeah, he did. He was was one of the three uh, infield guys they had there on uh, the show this weekend. So, yeah, I was really impressed. So, yep, just. Kudos all around to the industry, man. I thought it was a it was a good good Saturday night for racing, um, all the way around, and it was kind of nice to just sit back and not be so involved in what what we had going on, and, and just get to check out some other things. I, I really I really enjoyed it. And
2: yeah. also uh, enjoy those announcers who were on the late model side. You got James Essex, and and uh, you've got Dustin Jarrett and Ben Shelton. Those guys do a great job. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well and that
0: was that was that was the Ben and DJ I was referring to there, you know, on some of their infield work and they do they just they don't do it a whole lot anymore. Ben's Ben's doing a handful of them for the Lucas Oil races, uh some of the stuff that's going on Mav T V this year, but there's they're as good as anybody too. Yeah, so no doubt. It's uh it's really funny how it's really funny how all the you know, more has really it's shined a brighter light on broadcasting in dirt track racing than there ever was before. And the haves and the have nots are a lot more apparent than it would have used to have been um, because there's not a moment of the night now that doesn't matter. And that's, to me, that's the, the biggest change is, you know, well, okay, they can't, they can't hear you. Uh, local, local hometown announcer, they can't hear you in the stands, but to, there's this group online that can hear you, so you've where know, right, yeah. nowhere to really go, run and hide. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: no doubt. You know, hey,
0: it uh, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, do you know who yeah. was running the infield camera at Florence this weekend? I'll ask. You. Uh, no,
0: I do not. I do not know who was running. Bob it. I
2: Gilner was manning the infield camera. He was. I Florence. got you.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. I, I didn't have any idea who was doing it. so. Man, how things have
1: changed! <laughs> Running a camera, yeah.
0: yeah you know what? I I, I took and, I took and ran a camera uh, at the ASCS race. Ran the infield camera for the ASCS race at Caney here a while back. I was uh, I went to go help the boys out on a night. I was uh, I, I wasn't busy and um, I I really enjoyed it. I I love being a part of that that side of it as well and um, just kind of kind of helps keep me sharp. So yeah. 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 all right Trenton
1: well we can't thank you enough for tuning in and and calling in on the show I'm sorry that we we kind of got blindsided today we, we, we've been talking so much today that we kind of lost track of our uh, of our guest
0: it didn't, it didn't any big deal usually I'm the one that loses track I'm like oh crap they're calling I'm gonna go get ready but uh, right yeah it was uh it's a, it's all good yeah what we, ta- uh, what time I, do I you- got I got a, I got a
1: what time do your broadcasts get going?
0: Yeah, well, you would ask that. I should know that. I didn't have a chance to look at it yet. I'm a really bad person to ask for that because all our stuff starts at 2 o'clock. We have, we have standard, standard time, 2 o'clock at the racetrack, um, every single event day we do. And so I know people don't like to hear that, but, I man, I do not pay as much attention to start time. I'm going to tell you it's probably somewhere between 6 and 7 o'clock. Um, on on each of those nights, and we'll have the stream up about half an hour before. But I'm telling you, Scott, right off the top of my head, you you've got me on that one because I, I I can't tell you right exactly what exactly what time it is.
1: Yeah, uh, but, I'm, uh, I'm, it, it, it,
0: it, everything's normal normal times. There there was nothing out of the norm that I recall from looking at stuff a while back. Well, just so
1: you know, every Monday at 12 noon Central Time, uh-huh. it's mostly motorsports. And we have Chase Rob, and Barry on, and <laughs> and to be honest with See, you, you're,
0: you're a lot you're a lot more up with us than I am. And, and,
1: and then uh, on Saturday mornings, we're on at eight a.m. Central Time, and that's Track Talk. And, and can you believe Kirk and I've been doing that for twenty three years together?
0: My goodness, twenty three wow, years. Have
2: I'm going, you you right now, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, Trenton Berry. Last weekend it was uh, Knoxville Nationals. This weekend I'm all in on RacingDirt.com. This big, this big event you've got going on up at Mason City is going to have me glued every minute, all four days. I'm, I can't wait to see yeah, how this turns out.
0: It's pretty wild. You know, we've had a lot of big races the past couple of years. But we've not quite had anything like this, and I, I think some of the legends are coming back. Um, to, to be in attendance. Some are going to race. Kelly tracks coming. Um, he, he's going to be running again with us, so that'll be great. And I'm, I, don't, I don't really know everything that's in store this weekend, but it's definitely going to be a little different than the norm, as I've been told. Trenton, thanks for the time, bud. We sure appreciate it. You, you bet. See you guys next week.
1: All right. See you next week. There you have it. Trenton Berry joining us here on the show, talking a little Chiefs, a little... Uh,
2: What's where? Where are they at this weekend? Mason City, Mason City Speedway. Twenty-five yeah. thousand dollars to win. It's the Jubilee, the Silver Anniversary Jubilee for USMTS Modified. Twenty-five grand for mod- dirt modifieds. That's something.
1: That's the reason modifieds are expensive. Just so you know, Made
2: a lot of money. Twenty-five thousand
1: dollars to win a race drives up the cost of a mod racing that's why you don't see as many a mods how many how many do we average out at lakeside speedway between 10 or
2: 12 i had eight the other night i think eight nick benninger won again
1: the cost of modified racing is through the roof yeah
2: hey i just want to mention thursday night lucas old speedway the srx series finale thursday night thursday night you thinking about heading down there for that i might i might head down there And uh, Friday night will be out at Lakeside Speedway for the non-wing sprint cars. they got the uh, USAC Midwest Wingless Racing Association, so looking forward to that.
1: Well, we'll have to call down there and see if we can get on the list. I'm
2: going to let you, I've gotten all the credentials from all the big events lately. I'm going to let you handle this one. Can you do that for us?
1: I can do that, Kirk. I can
2: handle it. In the meantime, I'm going to help you clean up the RV. No, you're not. Yeah, I'll be around. You just be in the way. You don't want you, me around. You, you just
1: stand there. You you don't do nothing. You just kind of well, stand can there. No, I help. No,
2: yeah. I'll do it. Uh, thanks to Liberty RV for uh, providing us uh, accommodations for all these big events this year. Yeah.
1: And, and don't forget um, August nineteenth. They're going to be giving away the uh, the. Z06 Corvette, the 2023 Z06 Corvette with the Z07 Performance Package. It's pearl white, metallic, tricot color. I hope Kirk and I win it. It makes 760 horsepower. It's a 5.5 uh, LT V8 engine. It goes from zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds. It's an eight-speed automatic. And the, you can't
2: buy any more tickets. You can't buy any closed. more tickets. No, it's it's all done. Down, yeah. but the drawing is this Saturday. Yeah but we'll find out. Hey
1: Kirk, hopefully we'll win that. <laughs> how many, we we've got over 500 tickets, don't we? Or five over $500 worth of tickets. Over five. Yeah. I got 190 tickets and you got how many? 350. 350. Yeah. So that's or, just that's nearly 500 tickets. Yeah. That's We got a shot. We got a shot. Yeah, no doubt. All We're, right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod in Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprint. They're going to be racing this Friday night down at Electric City Speedway. Get down there and check them out. They're a great organization, and uh, we can't thank Bob Douglas enough for being a part of Mostly Motorsports. He's such a great guy. I got to see him quite a bit down there. They've got, they've got some new equipment coming out, and they've got some uh, aluminum balls in their heims ends that 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 they're bringing out and i think it's going to be state-of-the-art stuff so check it out over there at rod all right for todd surprise for kirk ellie and i'm scott trailer saying we'll see you next week